Welcome to episode 017 of the Bit Beacon broadcast. It's January 16th, 2024. I'm here, and so is... Ravenheart. And I'm Kodax. Um, and we're going to jump right into our usual first topic. Uh, what have we been playing? What have we been buying? You got anything for us this week? So I was playing Scarlet um, two nights ago. Scarlet, Pokemon Scarlet, yeah, right? Pokemon Scarlet, and uh, I did the seven star Blaziken raid. Nice, super easy with the belly bolt build. Like, yeah, it was great. It was actually enjoyable. Yeah, like some of them aren't just because how difficult they are. Yeah, I, the, I did that seven star raid too. Did you follow that video I sent you? Or I did. Try yeah. to. I did. Did it go anything like the video did for you? Not at all. Me either. It went completely awry. Yeah. Almost oh, yeah. immediately. I kept the same ideas in mind that that video was yeah. trying to convey. Um, I started with what was it? Ref, uh, not reflect. I think I chilling water first, and then reflect, and then chilling water two more times, and then I tried to use acid spray. At the in the end, I was just like parabolic charge mm-hmm. would just, just spam. Like, it. I don't need all this other stuff. Um, Did you and, have an intimidate user on your team? Uh, in on the one that I finally you did win. Okay, yeah, it, I did. Um, that helps a lot. Yeah, because oh, every time they faint, it, it, it almost feels like it makes or breaks. I this time I did it. I didn't have an intimidate user, really? so it was so down to the yeah. wire when I did it. It's a huge difference then, because I had maybe a third of the whole time oh, bar okay. left. Yeah, because if you don't have an intimidate user from one of the NPC players, mm-hmm. then you are having to reduce its attack with chilling water. Yeah, right. Um, and so for me, I fainted like multiple. I fainted twice, I think, mm-hmm. um, and then it got. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, but like a pencil lead left on the meter, you know? Right, yeah. No, I, I know what you're talking about. The guy um, who did that video... Osiris, Osiris I think, is on YouTube. Yeah, he, he has great guides every week for seven-star raids. That's how you do it. Um, so his, he would, like, his plan involved fainting. At least once. At yeah. least once. Yeah. And for me, it was like parabolic charge heals you right and you you don't need to faint and so i I, don't yeah if you have the intimidate user you can get away with not fainting i think right yeah and i i think i figured that out yeah after i think it took i won my second run i had reset the raid multiple times trying to find an intimidate teammate Mm -hmm. um that's a poke when i say an intimidate teammate i mean a pokemon these npc party members that you team up with to take on these raids when you play solo some of them have uh, like a Pokemon that knows Intimidate, like Arcanine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so every and, time and Tauros is the other one, and, and it is possible to get both. Yeah. Oh, that's the dream. Yeah, right that's there. the dream, right? Um, so if every time they faint, when they get sent back out, their ability is Intimidate, which lowers the oppon- opposing Pokemon's attack stat by one mm-hmm. uh, one degree or whatever. One degree. Yeah. And Blaziken has um, the seven star Blaziken has. Uh, Swords Dance and one other move that greatly boosts yeah. its attack. And so it's easily like doing a, doing away with your work that right. you just did. So if you're not reducing its attack at yeah. all, then its attack stat is max. Yeah. It's like three times what it normally is, and right. it'll basically be one-shotting you right. close to it. Exactly. 
And so um, I just I just hit parabolic charge a bunch nice. of times. Um, but yeah, I won. In addition to that, I did an outbreak for um, Yellow Squawkabilly. Okay. Got my shiny. Got it. Got it. And then I made my way to the forest in the uh, Kitakami region. Oh, okay. Finally. I haven't done the... Looks like there's going to be a Pokemon Snap style. There is kind of something photo. like that, yeah. I haven't done that yet. Okay. We'll see how it compares to the new Pokemon Snap. But. Yeah, it's not quite like that, but it, it's. I thought it was interesting, and um, it kind of reminded me of like the side quest that you would kind of get in Legends Arceus. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a little more interactive, and I was kind of hoping that there would be more of those mm-hmm. in the DLC. Unfortunately, it's the only one of its kind, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be cool. Um, I It took me a long time just to get to the forest because I had to catch... I had to try to find, like, a shiny slugma oh, okay. and catch that and yeah. try to catch a coughing. You're getting distracted by <laughs> yeah, the outbreaks. Yeah, of course. Um, coughing in the game, dude, I have to mention. It knows explosion and memento. Oh, like, so man. coughing, it, trying to catch a coughing, it's like coughing the suicide Pokemon. Right. It's just killing itself every every time. So you find the shiny, I assume? No, uh, no, I didn't. I oh, didn't okay. find a shiny coffin. Okay. I have enough shiny coffins. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. But, um... You just wanted to I catch one. I just wanted one. to catch one and add okay. it to the Pokedex. Gotcha. But, yeah, like, two suicide moves, and I think one of the other Honestly, moves... Honestly, you just got a quick ball it. If yeah. it doesn't capture, just run and then quick ball it again. What I did was, um, give my Gengar that I run around with Shadow Punch, because every other move was killing it, mm. and then, um, Explosion does nothing to it. Okay. And then, you know, because it's resistant to normal. And then Shadow Punch kind of leaves it with, like, eh, 25%. Um, and I just need coughing to not use a suicide move. And then I can catch it. And that's how I got okay. it. Okay. But, um, yeah, I'm a roundabout thinker. <laughs> See, I don't really like to use quick balls. But if I'm just doing it for Pokedex completion's yeah. sake, I mean, why not, I guess? I mean, quick balls are cool. They're cool, but they're just easy. Yeah, that's true. They're kind of easy mode. So it's like, like you, I don't want it to be too easy. I don't want it to be like too, mm. like especially if it's a Pokemon I'm going to use. Right. You know, it's like a lot of people have their Pokemon in Quick Balls. Right, right. So let me use something a little more interesting. Yeah. 100%. Um, I wanted to mention the seven star raids. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, maybe once or twice a month, depending on the time. Uh, the Pokemon Company releases this special limited time, like, usually it's like three or four days it's available. Mm-hmm. These ultra-difficult seven-star raids. Um, kind of, you think Pokemon Go, it's almost like a, an EX raid or something like that. Yeah. Where you really gotta have, like, well... A strategy. A yeah. team strategy, yeah. almost. I mean... Usually in Pokemon Go, you can just kind of overwhelm it if you have 20 players. Right. Um, but, like, if you're doing it with just, like, three or four friends, then you got to have, like, mm-hmm. you know, a strategy in mind. Um, Mega evolutions and stuff. So, yeah, what happens is the seven-star raid come out, and if you try to do it with randoms online, it's usually a mess. People are dying every other second. Mm-hmm. So people have resorted to trying to figure out a way to do it on your own as a solo player with the AI-controlled NPC partners. And much like Rick, I'm also the same kind of mind. I would rather not deal with randoms online. I mean, it's fun if you're doing it with friends. I find that that works out better. Actually, to tell you the truth, um, the Hisuian 
Deoxys, I think it was, or no, it was it was either Hisuian Deoxys or I don't know. You're talking about the Decidui or Hisuian Typhlosion. Yeah, I relied on. Oh, you uh, went online. Uh, yeah. Well, because what happens is, is after a certain point, people have figured out the strategy, mm-hmm. and like people, yeah, ex- that's what I'm saying. Right. Like it actually works out okay. better. But if you're trying to do it when it first comes out, yeah, nobody, no one, like human players, know what's going on. Because what happens is people want to farm the raid for all the rewards right. that you get, right? Because you get a lot of uh, terror um, shards and things like that. One of them, uh, one of the recent ones, I think, uh, it was one of the Hisuian ones. Um, the build, the build that every, the internet agreed upon, yeah. uh, was a, a doc spun. Um, oh yeah. 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 And it was that one. Right. I went on and it was, I think the last day or it was going to expire in like three hours. Mm-hmm. It was going to go away. And, uh, cause I had already failed like five times. I went on and just for the hell of it, just saw if anyone could help me online all of them had dock spuns. They were ready to go. They killed it for me. All I did was like throw defense cheers. Right. And yeah, I got See, it. See, at least your use, you're helpful. Right. It's like, it's like, don't die. Yeah. And, you know, just support the people who know what they're doing. Exactly. If you're going to come in and not be like with the yeah, bright build useful, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so those are better in the later seasons of of the lifespan of the seven star right. raid. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, I, I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed the Blaziken one. Um, other ones I haven't. Right. So I, I'm guessing we're going to soon be seeing, uh, ske- septile or do you say skeptile? Skeptile. You say skeptile. Yeah. Okay. I've always said septile. Yeah. Um, and then what's Mudkip's final evolution. It's escaping Swampert. Me. Swampert. So I presume we're going to be seeing the yeah. two of them. All three of them. As, uh, seven star raids pretty soon and why bother with the seven star raid uh well for the rewards the rewards Mm -hmm. are generally pretty good um usually get you always get one really rare item called an ability patch that lets you change your pokemon to i think it's the only way to get it right i think there might be like one obtainable in the base game somehow or something like that or it's a possible reward from doing the school competition after you beat the game gotcha uh but when you capture the pokemon um, it has a special mark that only these seven-star Pokemon can get called the Mightiest Mark. Which so, is, similar to a ribbon. Yeah, you apply it in the same way you do a ribbon. It's coded into the game the same way a ribbon is coded in. Um, and so I've kind of made it a goal to collect as many of these as I can. I've missed two so far. Yeah. And one I was on top of but just couldn't be. I might have... I might have one of the extra one of them that you didn't miss sometimes i do the raid on both my save files but because you can only capture this pokemon once you can continue to do the raid but you can't uh you -hmm. can't capture it more than one time um mine were mewtwo and iron bundle i Uh, both of those i missed um i may have done mewtwo a second time okay that was a fun raid because everyone was using mew and it was kind of like this right I don't, I don't know. It had this sort of like very anime feel to it. Like, you know. Yeah. Because there's a special effect where Mew gets powered up when mm-hmm. you're like fighting it. I, I regret missing it, but I think I was on vacation or something. Oh, like okay. That. Uh, might come back. Pokemon Day next month. Mm-hmm. So no doubt there will be some celebratory stuff going uh, yeah. on. Yeah. I know? mean, I hope they just repeat all these at least once. 
I think that'd, so. That'd I think nice. I think what will happen is, is they'll eventually stop, and then they'll just be like, okay, we're just going to repeat all the ones we've done. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you can still get the couple that you missed. Right. Um, all right, so I've also been playing a lot of Scarlet and Violet, specifically, uh, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but um, last Thursday, I think it was, the epilogue to the Scarlet and Violet uh, DLC dropped, which essentially served as sort of a a wrap-up of the game completely, but mm-hmm. also um, a new story where your old friends from the base game meet some of the new friends you made in the DLC, mm-hmm. and you guys discover like a new mythical Pokemon together. So instead of debuting the mythical Pokemon in like a movie or something like they seemingly do they actually gave you and you just download it you know yeah actually gave like a whole like story sequence which is pretty cool um the story it's a little silly but also kind of frightening when you think about it at the same time i won't i won't spoil it for you Mm. it's pretty it's it's cool um but uh you know by the end of it i was just like i was kind of sad because it was like okay like that's it there's no more Like That's this is it. I'm, this is easily the best. I feel the best like friend cast that mm-hmm. we've had in a Pokemon game mm-hmm. in a long time. Are you talking just the epilogue? Or? Uh, no, no, no. Just overall, Scarlet and Violet. Like usually, um, you know, every Pokemon game, you know, you usually have your rival, and then you usually have like a couple friendly sort of mm-hmm. characters. That like you have a small friend group. Like in yeah, Sun and right. Moon, there was a little group, and Sword and Shield, there was a little group. Oh, even in like Diamond and Pearl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, X and Y had like a really big kind of had like four or five people. Yeah. Um, and X and or in Scarlet and Violet kind of did something too. Um, anyways, I think it's just the best cast that they've ever had together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a bummer to like. That's it, you know. But one thing that was exciting to me about the DLC uh, is that it unlocked the last three in-game trades part of the new DLC, where you get to so you get to do a trade with, um, oh gosh, Arvin, Penny, and those three. um, What's the girl's name? Uh, Nimona. Nimona, yeah. Yeah. So you got to do trades with them, and so after that, I now over the break. I finished up a bunch of Gen 3 and 4 trades that I still had outstanding and Gen 5. And now that I've got these three trades, I have collected every single in-game trade from every generation of games, mm-hmm. 1 through 9. And that's including the Japanese green version. Including the Japanese green version, which does have trades that are exclusive to it. Yeah. So I, for that, I had to get a Japanese 3DS. I had to buy the japanese uh green version i had to get pokemon bank i had to subscribe for 500 yen just to get the poke transporter app to download um and and i had to play through the whole game in japanese basically which isn't too hard because you can find online when you know pokemon learn certain moves Mm -hmm. and things like that you just got to make sure you don't accidentally like delete you know razor razor leaf or something then you have like tackle is your only option to attack I'm sure going through, like, the PC and stuff and menus and stuff. Is... It was pretty familiar because yeah. I played, you know, the classic game so many times. Um, and so, yeah, every in-game trade, uh, that was, like, a long-term goal of mine, and now it's done. And now I think my next big goal for, like, my collecting ambitions... Okay, a couple questions about that. First, yeah. in Gold and Silver, 
Are you including the Pidgey that you receive not as a trade, but as like a gift that was holding mail? Um, okay, it wasn't a Pidgey, it was a Spiro, oh, right. I think. You're right, you're right. But, uh, okay, so I don't count those as trades, mm-hmm. but they are other trainers' Pokemon, mm-hmm. so I do have that one. Okay, are so, they in the same collection? Um, they're in the same box, but they're like separated by uh, empty space in the I box. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I don't really have a box for those. I just kind of have them as part of it. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, in gold and silver, there's multiple, I think there's like two things that are like that. And even in Pokemon yeah. Coliseum, there's, uh, this a couple, a couple gu- there's this guy who gives you like a Togepi or something like that for you to, yeah. like, hey, uh, you know, cure its shadow or whatever for me, or can you help? And you're supposed to give it back to him, but and then don't. he gives you a Pokemon in return. Yeah. Um, so what... you got to play through it twice. Yes. And keep the Togepi once, and then get the Exactly. So what I actually did when I replayed Colosseum a few years ago is I made, like, two separate save files, mm-hmm. and I... Did the thing where I kept it and then I traded it off to my game, and then I went back to the other save file and uh, that happened before, mm-hmm. and I gave it back to him so I could get the other Pokemon. So rather than playing through it twice, I just kind of. Um, so what about uh, standalone? I what do you call them? Like event, like uh, in-game static pokemon i guess is what they're called just the ones that are in the wild yeah i don't consider those trades right i mean those are generally reserved for like legendary pokemon for the most part um i mean or do you mean like the po- the ev sitting on the table the, and celadon yeah, kind of the ones that just have a scripted stat and you know build mm-hmm. um where there's no give me a specific example i'm not really sure what you're talking about okay um well, right now, uh, okay, so in gold and silver, there's the electrodes, right? Yes. There's a bunch of those. Okay. Maybe that's a bad example. Um, okay, the part of the game that I just played, um, the Arrarados that runs up to you when you get to the forest is, yeah, it's just a wild Arrarados. Right. But it is, uh, like, it's a specific array. I don't know that its stats are scripted though. You sure? I don't believe they are. I think you could catch it over and over again and the stats would be different. Mm-hmm. I think there's just an encounter with a rarados and then the game just It just generates an rarados. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I mean that is that something I could see someone collecting? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I could see someone wanting to get every electrode in Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Yeah. Um Um, me not so there was a time where i did look at like the cot location in the games as like okay you can only get this pokemon one time in this location or something but then when as you move them um, yeah uh, lapras and gold and silver right but as you move them to like other games that cot location information goes away right it's not visible anymore so i kind of like soured on like bothering with that gotcha i'm Um, just curious what you're yeah. Position so well. I think, yeah, my next big collecting goal is um, something that you've already been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I want to go back and actually do it. But I want to get um, all the male-female differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the gender-different Pokemon. So especially Generations 1 through 4, there's a lot uh, of I that. don't bother with ones that aren't gender-different. That's just... Right. 
Right. But right. the ones that are, um, I'm I'm going to make the argument, and I was going to tell you this. Legends Arceus, its in-game Pokedex calls them, quote, different forms. Right. No, I, I, they are. Yeah, even if it is just a dot on... Torchix. Torchix behind. <laughs> like... You know, that's a different form, according to Legends Are. Yeah, no, I I agree. I want to go... I mean, I have a lot of this already, especially with, like, my Pokemon Go stuff. I don't think it would be that hard for me mm-hmm. to clear a lot of that up. Um, it's just going to take some time, and i got to figure out how I want to personally arrange it in home. Mm-hmm. But that, what, that reminds me, I was reading online this discussion I was seeing where people were talking about how they have their... Um, Pokemon arranged in home. Mm-hmm. Like, and these are like, you know, people who kind of take that really seriously yeah. the same way we kind of do. Yeah. But I saw some like extreme examples yeah. where people will have, like, let's say Bulbasaur, right? Mm-hmm. So Bulbasaur, male and female. So they have Bulbasaur, male and female, right? Yeah. But then they want Bulbasaur, male and female with each of its natures yeah that's so now they have six bulbasaurs yeah and that's before they get into shiny right so then they want 12 bulbasaurs you could keep doing that my issue with that i've because i've thought about that and my issue with it is that there is no end to that you could go from nature to every location that it can be caught right to every original level you know like there's just so there's no end. i think it's got to stop at physical characteristics yes for me it's the physical artwork the physical sprite or 3d model being different somehow yeah even if it is a dot right in the case of torchic and in the case of like synesty basically yeah um that is that constitutes a different visual representation so i i like my pokedex the way or my living pokedex the way i have it set up but i do think i want to have some separate boxes for all the gender different pokemon that i don't have featured in my primary Mm -hmm. living decks so to say for me it's one big giant pokedex tapestry yeah, I look at it as, like, if I want to easily transfer my Pokemon to my game to, like, help yeah. fill in slots. Oh, yeah, there's downsides to what I'm doing, yeah. for sure. Then moving it around is, like, it's just, yeah, it's a for little me, too it's, much for it's me. it's all about the final presentation. Oh, yeah, and that's going to be glorious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, right. No doubt. Um, but uh, I, If I want to be crazy, too, I can number the box or name the boxes, you know, one through... Oh, see, I do that. Yeah. The thing is, you got to change all that. If you have to scoot... Oh, see, that's why I only have I'm one... I'm talking about, like, no, my, know, my yeah. model. I mean, you already, just having to... Like, every time... Oh, Sandshrew got a new form. Mm-hmm. Now I have to move 800 Pokemon over one see, slot. I actually... I totally get off to that. <laughs> I love doing it. I love playing with that stuff. And oh my god, but the hours of yeah. work involved. Yeah. But it's the... That... And then if you make one mistake... Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, my collection's beyond the point where that's even, like, possible. There's enough filled in to where I'm like, okay, some goes here, there's one empty space here. Oh. But... So, okay, so where I'm drawing the line is, where I want it to get to, is I have one of every Pokemon... Not gendered, just one through, you know, a thousand, mm-hmm. all lined up. One, two, three, four. Not one, one, two, two, three, three, four, four. Right. Um, 
and you know then I have all the alternate forms in a box. I have all the um, region different Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have a question for you actually. Yeah, sure, yeah. Do you consider the Pidgey we all know and love to be Cantonian Pidgey? Was there another form of Pidgey? No. Okay. Okay, but no. Let's say Pidgey gets another form. Yeah. Is the is Pidgey now Cantonian Pidgey? I don't buy into that. Okay. Because I... Pidgey has appeared all over the world of Pokemon mm-hmm. as a standard form. Well, we're seeing that shift too with the Hisuian ones being present in Kitakami, right? Um, in the wild, I don't think. Or so. Galar, or no Galar Pokemon present. Oh, yeah. The definitely Pokemon from Gen 8 are in Gen 9. Right. Like Squovit, for example. Right. But uh, Galar forms, I mean. They're not in the wild anywhere in Scarlet and Violet. Yes or no? Um, What's a Galar form? Like Galar Mr. Mime. Oh, Galarian Mr. Mime. Yeah, in, sorry. In, in Scarlet and Violet? Right. Mm, I mean, that one's not no, in there. No, but, but in the new DLC... They have these like synthetic biomes, right? Mm-hmm. And you do see a lot of the sun and moon forms okay. featured in oh, there. The Alolan forms. The Alolan forms. Lo- uh, like in the wild? Like in, in the, the wild, but remember, we're dealing with a manufactured That's true. wild. So yeah. basically, they like put those Pokemon there and then they yeah. grew into the environment. I gotcha. And it's suitable for them. Um, the reason I would maybe, for story ca- canonicity purposes, consider can- Cantonian Pidgey. Is only because it was discovered in Kanto first, you know. Well, see, I never bought into that. I, just because Kanto's the first game doesn't mean right. the world was that, only as yeah. big as Kanto. Right. Kanto could be younger than Hisui, which it probably is. Um, you know, and other uh, regions have existed prior to it. It right. just the the games have started with Kanto, and I I totally get what you're saying there. Yeah, because I, I see people saying like, "Oh, Cantonian Sandshrew," and I'm right. like, "That's yeah, not that's Cantonian not exclusive Sandshrew. to Kanto." Yeah, that was it's featured in yeah naturally in is, all kinds of environment or yes. in all kinds of regions. That is general Sandshrew. Yeah, that's just Sandshrew. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I I don't I yeah I don't look at all of the original Pokemon as the Cantonian form. Yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't make sense because then you would have to say. You know, like Shinoian, uh, what, Piplup? No, that's Gen 5. Oh, no, it's Gen 4. Yeah, it's Gen 4. So then that's, oh, that's Sinnoh Piplup? Sinoian Piplup. Yeah, no. No. Well, I mean, Piplup doesn't have a new, or a... No, it doesn't. Right. But neither does Pidgey. Right. So, So, who's saying that? I see people online refer to it as Cantonian, you know, or like, let's look at Sandshrew, like we mentioned. Sandshrew yeah. does have a new form. Right. Alo- 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 the Alolan yeah. Sandshrew, made of ice Sandshrew. And there's regular, and pe- I hear people say Cantonian Sandshrew. That, yeah, that's, I think that's incorrect. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page yeah. there. Let's move on. Um, I... I did buy one thing this last week. I think it's getting delivered today. Um, it might be in my mailbox right now. I saw this discussion online about how a lot of first-party Nintendo titles, like the Link's Awakening remake, Metroid Dread, Pikmin 3, Deluxe, uh, several other titles, you can't find them at 
retailers like on their websites mm-hmm. their the listings are gone or they're marked as like sold out mm-hmm. and it's almost universally across the board interesting um and i realized that the links awakening copy i have is the european copy which i don't think there's anything wrong with that right but i have like a esrb zelda you, you, collection you have a thing I mean, you can't say you don't, too. Oh, yeah, of course I yeah. do. But I want every region. I'm crazier than right. you. Well, I mean, I would love to have every region, but I try to focus my collection on North America, right. ESRB on the box. Right. Like, I want that ESRB logo right. uh, on the box if I can. Does that include titles that um, aren't North American or weren't released in North America? Like I Japanese mean, if exclusive? they're not released in North America, then... It's not part of your collection? No, it... It would be part of my collection, but like there it would be in addition to the ESRB. Type. Yeah, it's like well, there is no North American version of this, so right. this is the next best option. Gotcha. You know, like okay. Pokemon Typing Adventure so, for the DS. So all North America plus plus. Gotcha. Yeah, so if like a title only released in Japan, I would like to have that title too. Right. I don't consider that like oh no, that's some people don't collect that. Uh, I mean, I. I don't want to say I get it, but like yeah. I could see, you know, oh, I have a complete ESRB collection right. or I have a complete Zelda collection, but it's like, well, I don't count the things that weren't released in my, you know, right. whatever. I mean, like, I feel like you should have it anyways, even right. if you don't want to like... It's a whole separate title. Even if you don't want to feature it for whatever reason, right. you still have it. Right. Um, if you're going to call yourself complete library. Right. You know. Um, I mean, I have no problem saying I have the complete ESRB Wii collection. Like, right. Incredible. Massive that's, achievement. Yeah, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of games. Uh, you know, massive achievement. Good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't begrudge them because they don't have every Japanese game that right. also That'd released. Be, that, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I picked up Link's Awakening. I found a used copy for 30 bucks, Or it was 25 but I had to pay a few bucks for shipping. So mm-hmm. it ended up being $30. Um, and, you know, then it made me start looking at some of these other titles. I'm like, oh, man, I don't have... I like some of the ones that are out of print, like Pikmin Three Deluxe. I'm like, I don't have that one. So mm-hmm. now I'm looking at like, oh my! Walmart is the only retailer who still has it in stock, really? which is and there's it's pretty much full price still. Um, That's weird. I yeah, mean, like Metroid Dread, it's gone, gone everywhere right now. So we talked previously about these retailers phasing out physical games. See, well, this is a Nintendo thing, though. Okay. I don't know that it's a retailer thing. I think Nintendo has stopped sending stock. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we want to... I Here's the thing, though. I don't think it's Nintendo that initiates. I think it's the retailer that requests so many copies and then Nintendo prints to fill orders. Uh, oh, you know... Okay. Fire Emblem Engage only came out a year ago. Yeah. It's, deli- uh. it's, it's not in stock at any retailer right yeah. now. Wow. Um, so I don't know if this is a... Con- well, okay, so we could... S- speculate that the retailer i mean the retailers are still listing new video games constantly right yeah nintendo games historically have very long legs yeah oh yeah so i'm having i don't know if nintendo's having like supply chain issues Mm -hmm. or maybe it's sort of like intentional as they're winding down yeah there's a lot that can be inferred yeah um so there are a few more first party nintendo titles coming out this year yeah if this is going to keep up i would not count on them like getting a lot of reprints yeah yeah it, it's concerning for sure yeah like the uh the trace memory collection comes out this friday yeah um and that's already a super niche title yeah oh yeah beyond its first printing oh, i, dude, I wouldn't I, expect 
Did I? Do I have that on pre-order? With I don't you? think so. I usually only help you when there's like yeah. collector's edition okay. or something. All right, dude. If you don't mind, <laughs> could you please just pre-order me a copy? All right. Well, I'll see what I can do. All right. Um. But uh. So yeah, I don't know. I'm wondering is like, okay, is it more like a maybe their supply are changing over to Switch Two stuff? Yeah, um, yeah, we can think about this from a, the perspective of a, a new console coming. We maybe could, there's a component shortage or something. Yeah, we could think of it in terms of shortages. We could think of it in terms of push toward digital. Digital. We could think about it in terms of retailers getting rid of games. There's a lot of things that, like... I mean, but like we've said earlier, there's no way Nintendo is, like, the first one to be, like, we're out of physical games. No, I don't think so. They're not the leaders in that direction. No, they'll be the last one to cross that finish line. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't don't know if there's some intention. I don't know if they're just trying to divert attention away from that right now because Mm -hmm. maybe they are prepping for an announcement. If we look at the original Switch... There was only, like, two months in between announcement and, like, in people's hands. Yeah. So... They might be going for that again. I would expect it. Because if they do that for the Switch and then, you know, they announce the Switch 2 or whatever this is, uh, and then a year goes by and no one has it yet, that's not going to work out. They need to, like, match what they did with the Switch. So, I mean, I don't know. This could be nothing. We could see all these games come back into stock in two weeks. Right. You know? Yeah. And it was uh, a whole nothing burger. Yeah. But that's this is a story, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it has the potential to mean something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, if you're on the fence about any, you know, you can still get used copies at reasonable prices. Sub MSRP. Right. So, it's not like these games are worth $100 now because they're not being sold at retailers. Right, yeah. Um, but if, You could go to Book Off and probably find any one of these. Yeah. But, um, you know, if there's something you have your eye on, you know, maybe think about, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you got to speculate. Do I want to grab it now or do I want to pay $100 for it, you know, in six yeah. months? You right, know? yeah. So, if you're trying to, like, complete, you know... Your Nintendo published collection. Or if you have extra funds for capital for investing, yeah, grab I mean, a yeah. few copies. If you want to speculate, they, go right they ahead. Will, they will. I mean, they're not going to go down. Mm, probably not. Like, no. These stocks don't go down, boys. Mm, no. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, N- Nintendo per- first party games generally hold their value. There are some, they do occasionally have a little flop here and there. Right. Um, but generally speaking, that doesn't happen that yeah, often. No. Yeah. Um,. What have we been up to? Uh, for me, um, working and trying to just get myself back into working on Seraphim, which means preparation on my part. Okay. So getting my workspace organized again, because I let that just get overgrown, and um, getting my file system and stuff like that in place. My previous art projects, more pet projects, getting those wrapped up mm-hmm. and put away. Uh, so that I have no distractions. I think it would be fun. Well, maybe not fun, but I think it would be interesting if maybe as you really got back into development, we start talking about yeah. that on a weekly basis. Just uh, do a little five-minute check-in. I think we will be. Okay. Yep. Um, so maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll get that going. Yep, definitely. No, 100%. Um, I haven't been up to much of anything, but I do have something coming up soon. 
that's uh, uh, kind of related. Oh, one other. Th- oh yeah, go for it. Before I, sorry, I don't. No, go for it. Off. I do have one other thing going on, um, and I can't talk about it too much, but it's a developer event that webinar oh, that okay. I'll be attending with one of the console holders. But I'm not going to just name on a podcast. They're not going to name it, but I mean, if they know anything about you, they could probably figure probably, out who you are yeah. already in bed with, so um, to say. Regardless, it's a uh, might even know. be wearing their shirt right now. <laughs> in fact, I am. Um, it's an online Q and A for developers with the console holder and their experts. You know, for talking about code. How soon about, is that? Uh, that will be later this month. Okay, so in the next week or two, it will be in about fifteen days. Okay, so it's not. Gonna really be something you can probably talk about. No, I probably yeah. won't. Um, but just maybe you could sort of nebulously speak. Yeah, I, I'll have to just talk in code. And, <laughs> but it, um, yeah, it's uh, something I'm getting back into. I just reinstated my partner. Well, okay. And... So answer me this question: Are you a? Do you have a relationship with Nintendo? In we, terms of being I, a developer for them? Um, not currently. I actually did get licensed for the U, Wii U, but... That's right. Yeah. Okay, what about Xbox? No. What about PlayStation? Wait, we're not doing this. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, it's something you've talked about on the podcast Yeah, I know, before. but like, I'm trying to be deliberately nebulous. I don't know how nebulous. discreet you really have to be. Um, okay, so anything else you want to say on that topic? That, that's it. I okay. have that going on. So yeah, I haven't been up to much of anything uh, related to you know the world of that we dis- that we discuss gaming. But um, I do have an upcoming event, not this coming weekend, but I believe the weekend after. It is the Digimon Trading Card World Championships mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Right. Um, now I'm not involved with the Digimon Trading Card World. At I'm all. surprised you're going to this. Well, it's okay. I know you don't particularly care for Digimon. Mm. I have a, an affinity for it. I mean, I am nostal. It looks nostalgic to me. Yeah, but that's about it. Um, I have an affinity for it. And last year they had an event. I think it was in February at the convention center as part of some uh, like finals for the trading card game. But they had a little side museum, mm-hmm. and they brought like the Ken Sugimori of Digimon essentially with them mm-hmm. to do like a signing. That's cool. Um, so the guy who basically did like almost all of the old art and still <laughs> does like Digimon art today. The poor man's Ken Sugimori. I mean, say what you want to say. I mean, <laughs> but whatever. I, yeah. I respect the heck out of the guy and I wasn't going to miss my chance. Well, first of all, the museum thing was really cool. Uh, they had like over like 200 like huge massive frame pieces of art mm-hmm. uh, mostly stuff from the trading card game right but there's sort of a museum element to it they gave out these like really nice like guidebooks um and uh, some other goodies and then they had the signing with essentially one of the fathers of digimon mm-hmm. um and he did like little doodles for people if they brought like a you know like a shikishi board or something like that for them that's pretty cool i I don't hate Digimon, at least not as not like I did in middle school. Um, yeah, there was definitely like it was almost like you had to be one or the other back yeah, then. Oh yeah. Oh well, Digimon was clearly just 
a ripoff of Pokemon from your perspective in middle school. Like from yeah, from your perspective as a kid, yeah, it definitely did seem like, like... what the, Okay, there's this one successful thing and then there's this other thing that's similarly named and similarly like formatted. Right. Like what, kids like, and monsters, right. you know, like what what, a what am I supposed to think here? I mean, I think in Japan I might be wrong about it predating Pokemon, but, like, they came up together. Yeah. You know? I gotcha. Digimon is sort of a spin-off of Tamagotchi. Oh, okay. Not exactly, but, like, it came birth... Makes sense. It came birth from the pet monster yeah, and, like, a little portable digital... digital creature. Um, um, and I... this guy who created a lot of the Digimon, he got his start as, like, the Tamagotchi artist. Mm, okay. So, like, he's got, like, a whole other, like, got legacy it. behind him as I well. Gotcha. That makes sense. I, dude, They're both I, Bandai. I remember Tamagotchi. Yeah, those things were everywhere. Everyone had one. Yeah. Oh, I loved them. Um, but I will say that I do like like I like the art of Digimon and stuff. It yeah. looks good and it looks nostalgic for me. Know? Like my, I mean, I enjoyed the anime. I thought honestly, if I'm being honest, I thought the anime was better than Pokemon. Really, Pokemon I felt had a lot of. Filler. Yeah. Like, just nothing happening. Yeah, but you still love to see Ash and Pikachu and all the people in Yeah, don't get me wrong. I was there for it. But, like, as soon as Pokemon was over, I was switching over to I, today, would go back and watch the Digimon anime. I know, honestly, I know... It went harder. I know squat about it. The stakes were higher. Yeah. Like, stuff happened. You know, like, every episode, like, there was drama. Right. You know, like, people were, like... In life and death situations. More like saving the world type of goals rather than I want to be a master. Yeah. Now, not that Pokemon didn't at time have some like high stake stuff going sure. on. The SSN sinking and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, right. that was crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Pokemon, it was a lot of like, oh, you know, we're walking towards the next city right. for 50 and, episodes. And here's this fictional location that doesn't exist en route between these two right. cities. That we just made up for this one episode. The Pokemon manga is a lot like that, too. Yeah. It's got, like, just stuff that doesn't really fit into the overall continuity right. of what we consider to be, like, the canon kind of kind of thing. Right. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I so, would go with you if I had time for that. Um, yeah, I'm not expecting a whole lot out of it. I know there's not going to be this cool signing meet and greet thing at mm-hmm. this championship. I'm just going to go for a few hours, get my free swag, and, uh, you know, just check it out. Um, That's and, cool. You know, maybe maybe something cool happens while I'm there. I have no idea. That's cool. Grab me a Digimon card. Just, <laughs> just one. I know they are uh, They are giving, like, special promo to, really? like, if you show up for it. Yeah. That'd be cool. I don't know if I can get extra, but, you know, I'll see what I can do. Um, all right, so we're going to jump into a couple news topics. Um this first topic is about layoffs at both Twitch and Roll Pal Unity. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, let's talk about Twitch. Uh, Twitch, the online streaming platform. You, you know what Twitch is. Yeah, for creators. It and is a streaming platform, supposedly, allegedly, for gaming. <laughs> it's gotten, maybe it's lost sight of that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a little. I mean, I think Twitch wants, Amazon, I should say, wants money from yeah, Twitch. Yeah, so that's true, yeah. If... That's right. That kind of did start when Amazon bought Twitch, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, they've kind of opened up. To, I mean, you can do our real-life streaming now where mm. you sit in a hot tub. And a, yeah, you know. or body paint yourself yeah. naked. 
you know. Yeah. Twitch has had all kinds of yeah. weird growing pains over the last several years. But yeah. what we're here to specifically talk about is that they're laying off 500 of their staff, which is roughly one-third of its workforce. Imagine going to the office and a third of your coworkers yeah. are just gone. Yep. Yeah. That's, That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Um, so Twitch CEO Dan Clancy shared the news with the Twitch team. The, these layoffs are big news. Like, this is not just, oh, layoffs again. Like, they're cutting stupid chunks of the company. So like, let, let's let's see why he thinks these layoffs are justified here. So we have a, a statement. I've taken a few pieces from it. Um, and we'll just kind of go one at a time and yep. talk about each bit. Sounds good. So he starts off by saying, Team, today I have some incredibly difficult news to share. As you all know, we have worked hard over the last year to run our business as sustainably as possible. Unfortunately, we still have work to right-size our company, and I regret having to share that we are taking the painful step to reduce our headcount by just over 500 people across Twitch. This will be a very hard day. Our service exists to empower communities to create together, and every single one of you has played a vital role in fostering our community and furthering that mission. I like that word right size. I've never heard that <laughs> word before. I think um, it's usually used with like ships. Oh, okay. Like we need to like I mean it makes sense like not you to cap say size, you right size. It makes sense not to say downsize or upscale or whatever cuz mm-hmm. you don't know which direction. Those are pejorative words. Right. Let's use a right size. Yeah. We're trying to find the target size. Yeah. Well, he has something else to say about the size of uh Twitch and I think the next next part of this quote. But um yeah, this first part is like the standard, you know, Sorry, team. You know, you've done yeah. so much for us. Right. Thank we you. owe you so much. You've contributed everything. You've made all these dreams come true. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> exactly. All right. So next he says, this is the biggest part of the statement. I know many of you are wondering why this is happening. Over the last year, we've been working to build a more sustainable business so that Twitch will be here for the long run. And throughout the year, we have cut costs and made many decisions to be more efficient. Unfortunately, despite these efforts, it has become clear that our organization is still meaningful larger than it needs to be given the size of our business. Last year, we paid out over $1 billion to streamers. So while the Twitch business remains strong, for some time now, the organization has been sized based on where we, were, where we optimistically expect our business to be in three or more years. Not where we are at today. Mm-hmm. As with many other companies in the tech space... We are now sizing our organiz- our organization based on based upon the current scale of our business and conservative predictions of how we expect to grow in the future. See, I'm no I'm no business manager, crazy, you know, god tier executive, but I see a problem in that. That might be your problem that you're trying to target yourself three years from now, when in three years you're gonna grow again or you're gonna upsize again or scale again so what are you doing like why don't you try to secure the resources that you need today and not what you project yourself to look like three years from now yeah that i that doesn't make sense to me well so i guess i guess in some way they're sort of taking some of the fall and like we grew 
too much. Yeah. Or, or and then and then they also kind of lay lay into like, oh well, like like other tech companies who are also doing layoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, so it's just normal. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. I see. Yeah, that's the thing too. That's an that's I'm I'm glad you said that. Once one like walks through the threshold of yeah, laying off a thousand it. people yeah. and and gets away with it. Some negative articles. Yeah. Then the others see that and they're like, okay, well, let's go. Our turn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll, at least they waited till the new year, I guess. Yeah. Good point. They didn't do it during Christmas. Like we saw with unity. Yeah. Who's, who's next doing another round. Who's next. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I notice he says in three or more years, like oh the size, the, oh we're at the size yeah, we are in three or more that years. Just, so that, he does, it's not even saying three years. He's just putting out. It could be any more. number yeah, of years. Right. And that that is there just to make him sound like oh I'm so ambitious, I'm so yeah. forward thinking, and so they made a mistake of growing too big. Right now, five hundred people's livelihoods are at stake. Yeah, and who gets punished? not at stake? They're well, they're gone. They're yeah. cut off. Well, I mean, yeah, they they got to figure something out quick. Right. Um. So who gets punished? Those five hundred people, people yeah. not the guy who hired right, those five hundred right. people and made the mistake of hiring those five hundred right. people. They pay for his mistake. If they, I don't know how much money the Twitch CEO makes, but if I had to guess, his salary is probably like a hundred people's salaries. Yeah, it's at least a million. There yeah. can't be less oh, than a million. Yeah, he's, this, is, this is Bezos bucks we're talking yeah, about yeah. over here. Well, no, that's that's. Bezos bucks is like multiple billions. No, I mean, uh, he, he works for Amazon. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's okay. paid. It's yeah. coming out of Bezos's. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm sure Bezos isn't happy. Bezos yeah. dollars. Well, Amazon, it's not just Twitch this week. Amazon, across the board, across all their departments, has started mass layoffs this yeah. past week. Right. A- Amazon owns Twitch, guys. Yeah. We forgot to say that part. Um,. All right, next, next quote. This decision, while incredibly difficult and painful, is necessary to ensure that we can continue to serve our streamers sustainably without impacting their ability to support their careers on Twitch. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help but laugh at that. Yeah, he loves talking about sustaining <laughs> careers. Part, yeah. <laughs> Part of what makes this so difficult is the passion that so many of you share for the Twitch community and the hard work you've put into serving our streamers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah that's like saying like you're not important you did a great job and you did so much for the community and the streamers and the streamers goodbye yeah like you know we gotta cut you so that we can keep paying the streamers yeah but you're still sentenced to death yeah like it just that why put that in there that's supposed to I mean from because look Here's my philosophy. The higher off the ground you are, the less your feet are on the ground. Okay. You know, like the higher up the food chain you are, the more in the clouds. The bigger the fall is. Yeah. Well, not not that too. That's true too. But the more your head is closer to the clouds. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You don't know how much much a box of cereal costs anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't know what fighting for a box of cereal is like. Um, And that's what I get from this. I think from his perspective, this sounds like a thank you, and I'm saying some good words about you. But from like their perspective, this is just insulting. Like, 
okay, so you acknowledge I did a great job and you're still cutting my head off. Yeah. Like... And meanwhile, he probably still getting... Bo- he's probably getting yeah. bonuses. Oh, yeah, he's getting a raise. For making these cuts. For making... Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, and in the previous statement, they paid over $1 billion out to streamers last year. That's a big number. That is a big number. But you know what? It's probably... The majority of that probably went to, like, a thousand people. Yeah, I mean, that's how economies work. Yeah. Yeah, you have that upper echelon and... Streamers. And the the other 20% goes to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, like, really 500 people are losing their jobs, so a thousand people can keep making, I guess, money for themselves and money for Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's a club, and there's everyone oh, who's not in the yeah. club. And yeah, the Twitch, there's a Twitch club. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And we know who they are. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, I don't know them as much as maybe you do, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have I'm not, those. I'm not going to start name dropping right <laughs> okay. now. Okay. Not on this story. Okay. Um, so the final quote from this, I want to share, and there was more to this message, but it was mostly like, if you're in America, you're going to be hearing from this person in the next two hours and mm-hmm. here's what's going to happen to you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this last bit I want to mention is I want to close with my sincerest apology to everyone who's leaving Twitch. You were some of the most talented, committed, and creative people I have ever worked with. Thank you for everything you've done to help us build Twitch and foster our community. (laughs) Goodbye. We are all here because we believe in the power of Twitch and our community. How many times can he say community? Yeah, for real. He loves that word. And while our mission is far from over, right now our focus is on taking care of each other. I'm always grateful for how well you all support and show up for one another during our best and most difficult moments. I love how we always assume that he's the one that wrote this. He's not. Yeah. But um, um, One thing I did want to say is um, something I didn't put in here, but like in the messages to the staff who were being affected to the uh, by the layoffs, right. they were like, oh, we're going to give you, from when you're getting this message, you'll have two hours on Slack where you can message your coworkers and you know say your goodbyes. Before we revoke your access. Wow. Like, meaning, like, as a gesture of goodwill, we'll give you a chance to say goodbye. You can't come into the office. That's nuts. That's... That's actually considered generous, because I've heard stories of, like, people waking up and, like, all their access is revoked. And then then they're like, what's going on? And they still don't know. Yeah. Is IT doing some maintenance? Uh, Oh, no, I've lost my job. Right. And, uh... I don't know. In a way, I almost feel like it's damage control because they don't want them saying anything bad to, you know, uh, disparaging about Twitch or whatever. Right. But, um, I mean, if you want to know who's on Twitch, who's in the club, you look at who gets banned and who gets a slap on the wrist and who gets their account reinstated after 24 hours and who gets perma banned. That's yeah, how you I mean, know. this is unrelated to the topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, just, uh, but th- this is indicative of why Twitch might not be doing great. There's the economy. Right. You know, and that's just a thing. But the internet, in a lot of ways, is kind of immune. You know, when you're an online business and your business is a website, like YouTube or Twitch mm-hmm. or any social media... Um, you're kind of immune to the economy. People are going to be using your software. Maybe more because more people are unemployed. I don't know. But I'm not, I'm not an economist. But um, in the case of Twitch, like, 
you look at their business practices and um, not to get too much into like controversies and stuff like that, but there have been a lot on Twitch. Yeah. There's been a lot of people who have had their Twitch banned wrongfully, perma banned wrongfully, like something that they should have gotten banned for for a week or two weeks. Right. They get perma banned. Yeah. And then there are people who do the exact same thing or worse. And get let back on 24 hours later. Mm. And and it's cl- clear as day. And everyone sees it. Right. Well, if you're making Twitch a lot of money, it's yeah. their incentive to give you a slap on the wrist. And then you come back a day later. Right. And continue making the money. Or you're pushing any kind of like direction that they want to go in or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Maybe they send you a message and say, hey. Right. You know. Um, but people know that. YouTubers make videos about it. YouTubers do deep dives about mm-hmm. it, like, and then that spreads, and less people might be using Twitch now, right? As a result, well, you know, I think you know the excuses. All these com- all these tech companies really grew during the pandemic, right? Right. They hired so many right. people, right? And you know, now their excuses, well, you know, people are out in the world again. Yeah, not that on. bubble is gone. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, they knew when they were hiring these people right. that they were going to let them all go right. in a few years. I don't think that there was much of a, you know, that they were like, oh, this is going to sustain forever. You right. know, we're just this size permanently now. Right. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Twitch is in a weird place. I don't know that they're going to get back to 500 plus more staffers in three years. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that at all. Um I don't know. I think if I had, like, any kind of... What do I think Twitch could do to make their business more profitable? You know, there are certain games on Twitch that lots of people play and your most successful streamers play the same four or five games. Mm -hmm. So maybe get involved with those developers and those publishers a little bit more than you do. Um, Try to make it more Twitch-friendly or get your property into put into the game or mm. supporting the game you know what i'm saying amazon loot boxes dropping from not, the sky. yeah we hate that crap as yeah. gamers we hate it but if they want to be successful that's i mean they have like twitch drops yeah which yeah. are like ways for you to connect your game accounts to like twitch and then if you watch streamers like playing a certain game you unlock like free skins and content mm-hmm. for your game do you do you remember how big Twitch's presence was at E3 the last couple of years. I remember they had like they had like a booth where they were doing like interviews with developers all day. Yeah, they were doing that. They had a big old sign, like big, like yeah. not even like a cardboard. So it was like a big sculpted sign. Yeah. Um, and wasn't that with, where they were giving away energy drinks and stuff like that, or was that a different? Place? I wouldn't be shocked. You know, it was they like they have a yearly something. convention. They have TwitchCon. Oh, really? Yeah. And they're present at, like, other So I'm sure they're still using that... Yeah. That thing at TwitchCon. So, yeah. I mean, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, they... I remember them giving away a lot of stuff at E3 on the show floor. Um, so God, they, they those days. They had money. <laughs> they had money, a lot of it. Yeah, marketing budgets are not what they used to be anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's one of those things where it's, like, in order to... 
I don't know, maybe save other jobs. They reduce marketing budgets like tremendously. And that's probably one of the reasons why E3 doesn't really exist anymore because nobody has the budget to do E3 like they did pre-pandemic. Right, some $2 million. I mean, maybe Nintendo does, but most most places don't. Um, All right, we're going to jump into the next layoff story, which is Unity. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you thought last year's layoffs were bad... Yeah, this is just so depressing. This is insane. Unity has announced that they are letting go of 1,800 employees, which is roughly 25% of its workforce. The layoffs were not exactly announced, but uh, they were found in a regulatory filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission, which says the layoffs are part of a restructuring and refocusing of its core business, which I'm not really sure what that is these days for Unity Yeah, anymore. that I mean, core business is just a... Doesn't really seem to be game development anymore. That's just an excuse word. Um, Unity says it's. they also expect to take a substantial hit in the first quarter of 2024 as the layoffs uh, roll out. Uh, costs are likely to rise from employee transition, severance payments, and employee benefits that they have to cash out. Real quick, I just had a second thought about what I just said. Um, If there's any positive, silver lining, I guess, to come out of these layoffs and last year's layoffs at Unity, maybe they will start cutting back in the engine with all the bells and whistles and data collecting BS and all the other crap that they think they're doing. Yeah. And maybe they'll get back to, like, actually working on a viable game engine. Right. You know, as opposed to having all this other stuff. Yeah, I feel like they've gotten... I mean, a lot of people still use Unity. I mean, this last year hasn't been great for Unity. They seemingly burned a lot of bridges. A lot of developers are trying to move away from Unity now. Yeah. I mean, there are some developers that are, like, too ingrained with them to pull out. Like, Genshin Impact's not going to switch to Unreal. Yeah, especially developers who have bought source code licenses and built their own version of Unity. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I just feel like, you know, you, there was a time where Unity's appearance was like this is the this is the engine for indies. Yeah. Oh, 100 they were. They, they were like they were right there. They were the indie game yeah, de- like like they were the big, like they were the reason people took off like new developers took right. off. Like you could now make a AAA looking game. But they've grown and their attention is anywhere but Small yeah, developers now. Yes. 100%. Now they're like going after military contracts and yeah. like all these. And that's all fine. I mean, I can see that. I I can see having other ambitions. That's fine. But you can't lose sight of, I guess, your core business. And I guess that's what that actually means. You know? Is that what that means, though? Because I wonder what they consider their core business now. I, I don't know. I um, hope it's video games. I mean, their core business, objectively, is being a game engine. But if, whether they see that or not, I don't know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, 1,800 less. So if you're someone who's... This uh, is this is more than like last year combined. Yeah. What, this is like, what the last heck? Last year, they let go of less than 1,000 employees. Just shy yeah, of it was thousand. like 400 or 500. Uh, or almost 900 people total. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, across, that's between two, right? Across two major layoffs, yeah. So double that all in one go yeah. this and year. I'm sure there will be another round later this year. I mean, but if you're someone who's 
like deep into Unity, uses it a lot. Like even big, a big developer, like the Genshin Impact, they use right. Unity, right? Right, right? So they probably are constantly back and forth with Unity about like, hey, we, oh yeah, we, they're we, they're going to be one of their most featured, sponsored, friendly right. developers, but. Yeah. If you hear that the the people that you pay to use their engine for your really expensive massive game, yeah. they just let go of almost two thousand people. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't bode. That doesn't, confidence. That doesn't bode well. No, no. Now you're like quivering. Like, yeah. uh, do we need to go somewhere else? And th- this is me. I'm not Genshin Impact, but this is me. I'm invested in Unity. I was taught Unity in college. This is how I started. You know, with yeah. any kind of game development. I am invested in Unity. I want Unity to be successful. I've spoken to a lot of people from Unity at different events and stuff. Um, this I mean, is, like, just for me yeah. alone, this is... I like, mean, do you think Unity could, like, almost implode and go back to being, like, okay, we're just gonna... Like, it goes bankrupt or something, and then, like, the people that take the property or whatever, like, start it again as it originally yeah, was. Yeah, like, hey, like, we're just, we're making a, a game engine for, you know, an indie-friendly game engine. Because that's what Unity was. Yeah. I hope it doesn't go that far to the point where they have to go through a bankruptcy or something. Because how like much that. time a day do they, like, if you need support? Yeah. Like... Is there yeah, anyone yeah. there oh, for you? Yeah, no, I I agree. That's... Well, we do, we would like you to pose your question to the community on the forums to get support. Unity needs to be focused on yeah. development and support. And look, maybe they are telling us this when they say, which says layoffs are part of a restructuring and refocusing of its core business. I hope so. Maybe that's what they mean. Yeah. You know, that, that we're getting back to development and support. That would be their core business, okay. like objectively speaking. I, you know, they seem to be delusional, so I can't say what they are actually thinking. Right. But objectively, their core business should be and is development and support. I'd be curious. I mean, we don't know where these 1,800 people are. Are they engineers? They could be in a different country. They could be... I mean, they're probably from all kinds of places yeah, around the sure. world. Um, but, yeah. But 1,800? Yeah. Like a that? A quarter. A quarter. Yeah. Of the company is gone. That's... Or will be gone over the next month or two. Either they're cutting like a whole arm off that they no longer want to pursue, or they're closing a facility somewhere. That's a lot of freaking people. Yeah. Like, that's... That's... All of last year's layoffs doubled in one layoff. Yep. And we're just getting started. Yeah. 2024 I, has just begun. You know what my favorite part uh, of all this is? You say that, but, like, how many people are freaking left? Like, I get, can we see I them? think I read last year there was, like, 7,000 people employed by Unity before, I think, any of the layoffs occurred. Before this happened? Uh, maybe before the May or November ones. Okay. Um, so... Oh, here, you have the numbers right here. Yeah, May 2023, 600 employees gone. November twenty. 20- three uh 265 more employees gone yeah and now <laughs> january Psych, we weren't done 1800 employees gone in in january yeah what the heck what it, what is going on at unity i don't know man i mean they don't use the term right size like switch did no I, they're not right sizing <laughs> That's for sure. Maybe they're capsizing. 
Yeah, I think they're capsizing. Um, I think... But you know what the best part about this whole thing well, is? It, when the hell does the CEO leave? Uh, like, he's gone. He's already gone. John Riccatello... Riccatello's gone. ...left. So okay. now this is just the new so, guys. So who is doing this? Um, I don't have the names here for us to easily reference. Oh, but it, it's the people, like, the temporary replacements? I think there's an interim guy still. Okay. But then there's also that guy you mentioned. Oh, the one they have lined up to yeah, be the next like permanent? He, I don't know that he's the next permanent, but... I have to look at the notes, but um, from that episode, that was like a long time ago. But yeah, um, so how do you think Wall Street? Uh, they well, obviously they they all invested. Yeah, so Unity stock and... jumped five percent. So of course Unity lays off eighteen hundred people, mm-hmm. and they get rewarded. Right. Yeah, they get rewarded because that means less overhead, I guess. Yeah. Even though they're expecting now to report losses in the first quarter of 2024. But I guess investors are looking at the long-term picture. Look, you know what I'm thinking? This is all repercussions for the BS they tried to pull. I think so. Yeah, I think Unity's knee-jerk reaction, or their their stupid decision, has now cost... Riccatello's decision. Yeah, almost 3,000 people their jobs. It's his fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that them turning off the entire Unity development community, um, everybody, from big to small, uh, just caused them to completely... Yeah, and as, as like the developers stopped using Unity, then now they have less clients. Not, not only like did they turn them off, they were shutting down discussions on the Unity forum yeah. about the topic of Unity's stupid new install fee. How do you think John Riccatello is sleeping on his water bottle? Oh, on his he, mega he's yacht? sleeping great. This is what he does. He lives for this. He laps it up, and he gets he gets to sleep on a bed made of money for it. I'm being like super. Yeah. I don't actually feel this way, guys. Like about like, you know. Oh come on! You're, you can safely crap on Riccatello. I'm cra- I'm crapping on Riccatello, but I'm not. I'm being like extremely. Uh, uh, cynical, I guess. Yeah. More so than I usually. That's okay. It's something you're passionate about. Yeah. When it comes to unity, this is just unacceptable. What, like, how hard is it to develop and support your game engine? And when new technology comes along, support it. Develop support for that, and just keep it going. You don't need all these other different licenses. Licensing fees, you got to implement all this data collection. I don't need to be worried about like data. I have to be connected now. Right. You know, what, where, and now why? you're responsible for connecting your customers. And... Yeah, yeah. I have to be connected to the internet to use Unity if I want to use the latest versions. Uh, Not even the latest version, two year old versions. Right. You have to stay connected. I'm using like 2017 stuff, guys. <laughs> that's that's me that's like my personal choice do you that, ever is there like any fear of like your projects not being able to like just ps5 except 2017 okay. yeah projects? so so one version will so 20 okay i'm using okay i'll, I'll be full fully transparent 2017.4 is the version i use it is the last version to include Vita support. Okay. And that was why I stuck with it. 
because you know I plan on releasing on Vita. Right. I'm not prepared, nor do I see the purpose of upgrading or updating and going through that whole right. process again with Seraphim because why? It still supports PS4. Um, still supports Switch. Like okay. all of that is included. Right, in and if if you can build to PS4, it works on PS5. Right. So right. You know, there's um, no PS6 yet, so there's no real concern. Right. There. Exactly. Eventually, I will have to update. Right. And but support for different systems come from one version to a later version mm-hmm. somewhere, depending on the lifespan of the console or platform. All right, we've got uh, another news story that we want to kind of throw it back to. Mm-hmm. We talked about this back in November. This is the completionist who was yes. allegedly stealing or not donating he over six hundred. He was committing money. charity fraud. Yeah, that's plain that's and simple. Um, so back in November, we touched on this, and since then, a bunch of stuff has come out. But for those of you that don't remember, Rick, give us a little refresher. Yeah, so. Initially, Carl Yobbs, the YouTuber, along with uh, some ordinary gamers, uh, came out like collaboratively and exposed the completionist Gerard uh, for having basically six hundred thousand dollars just sitting in a bank account that he touted would be going straight to dementia research. Uh, you know, and he was very. All the super chats, all the bits, all of the, it's all going to go, I don't take any of it. Right. You know, that was his whole shtick during his whole uh, Indie Land streams. Where he was supposedly raising money. And, you know, he made it sound like every year he would donate that year's money. Right. Yeah. But it turned out he had never donated any of the year's money ever. At all. It's all, like, the past eight years is all sitting there. He even had, like, specific charities that he would mention on stream. There were specific charities that he said he's one of the main beneficiaries or whatever, funding funders or whatever. Um, Bull. He never sent him anything. Never a dime. I don't Um, know how he got away with it for this long. I don't. I don't. Uh, I have been very kind of benefit of the doubt, play fair, I guess I kind of, part of me likes him. I really don't like him as a YouTuber. Never really care for his content. He eats while he's freaking oh, playing games. That's annoying. Yeah, it's yeah. I just can't get into his stuff. But I still wanted to be fair to the guy. But now I'm done with him. I'm it's, yeah. He, he's just. It's hard to see any defense that he ever put up. Right. Or the only defense he ever put up was this like 20 minute sort of apology video yeah i guess if you want to call it it was it was so bad it was basically him kind of acknowledging and kind of apologizing for the situation and then it's like i'm sorry i've done this to my fans right it'll put you in this weird place denying certain other stuff and then threatening the two youtubers that exposed him with defamation suits right at the end and that isn't, yeah, it was a really bad apology video. I'm surprised he left it up. I am too. I didn't take it down and uh, like... Um, well, he took something down recently. Right, and, uh, well, let's not jump there quite yet. Um, so, he puts out a reaction yeah. to Yobst and Some Ordinary Gamer. Mm-hmm. And goes by Mudahar. Mudahar, yeah, that's his name. Um, and 
in response to... By the way, guys, both those YouTubers are really good. Just putting that out there. Deep expose. Oh, yeah. um, Style channels. Um, I've, like, since... The, I think it's gonna. I think this story has done a lot for them too. Yeah. Like, oh, oh got so much yeah. coverage. I mean, Yobst hits big ones. Yeah, like oh, yeah. bigger than this one. Yeah, he um, hits million view videos. Yeah, with some regularity. Uh, and then some ordinary gamer. He too. Um, I saw a video recently where he was. I need to go watch it, but he was saying he found a lost Grand Theft Auto game. Oh wow! Yeah, I gotta go look at that. But he, he gets big stuff too. He exp- he's like also for like frontline exposing yeah. stuff. But um, uh so they put out a response or they put out their own response videos to Gerard's threats of suits where they basically tore apart his apology video. Yeah. Exposed even more BS that he was perpetuating in the video. And then just dropped the Discord call that they had with him. Yeah, so before the initial allegations became public they had a lengthy, I think it was like 18 minutes yeah, or 12 was, minutes, something like that, with Gerard, where, uh, and they had posted snippets of it in their original videos. Yeah, they're, because both of them had done like three, like their initial video and then like two reaction videos up to this point. Right. And throughout those, they keep reiterating the same points and they keep using the same clips from that right. call. Um, so, but this time they just released the whole, yeah, they just dropped the whole call, the whole audio call, just raw. And in it there, there's some pathetic moments, I would say that specifically come from Gerard Mm -hmm. where he's basically begging. I, I consider it. I don't call it begging. I think he's asking them for advice, which is misplaced hundred percent. Uh, yeah, he's basically saying like, "Hey guys, what do you want me to do to make this all better so you don't ruin my life?" That's he basically says those words. He kind of is saying, you know, I, w- like you guys have all. He the said, power "I right can't now. stop you guys from making your videos. You're gonna do it anyways, you know. But tell me what I can do to m- make this situation a little better." Is kind of like where he was coming from, and they. They tell him what to do, don't they? Mm, well, I mean, they, they tell, tell him, him basically donate the money ASAP. Right. Yeah. And um, I think Yobbs kind of said, as far as your public image, I don't know what you can do. Right. He just said, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, that's on you. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to not publish their video. Right. They're going to, yeah. They're way, they're balls deep. Both yeah. of them are balls deep in like I mean, investigation. If n- okay. And so we should mention that... Right before the apology video went up from Gerard, he did donate $600,000 to one of these dementia research uh, places. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, we... I forgot to bring that up. But this was after the Discord call, so this would be like the next event in the timeline. No, no, no. This was before the full... Yeah, this was after the Discord call, but it also happened after the initial videos went live. Mm -hmm. And the... Gerard went silent for weeks. Yeah. Like, it was, okay. like, four, three or four weeks right. before so, his apology and donation. So, okay, yeah, you're right. You were all right. So, right before he dropped his apology video, like, the day before... No, I think he, same day. It was the like same it was, day. Like, it was time, very right. time, you okay. know? Yeah, he donated the $600,000. A press release went out from the, the place that it was donated from. Mm, right. so, it, it was sent to, of course, all the video right. game. You of know? course. Just... 
Very coordinated, strategic. This, yeah, this is like this is what scummy people do. Yeah, the, the tact, just the tactics alone, the yeah. strategies alone, is what we see from people who are. Well, he trying. put this apology video out, and it seemed like he thought like, "Oh, it's uh, it's all good now. I'm going to go back to normal." Right. But the overwhelming majority of the public didn't. No. Didn't the only like. people who maybe that he got his way with there are his like dedicated followers because they are invested in seeing things go back because they just want the old completion. Yeah, I guess, which is crazy to me that it's more important that you get the channel you liked back than it is. Well, not everyone's an activist and into causes and stuff. I mean, well, some people just want to live their lives. I, I get that, but it, it to me it's just like okay, so you don't care that all this money that he took from people. I mean, that doesn't mean done. they don't care. It just means you know, I'd rather things just you know all this drama. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, but th- it comes at it from a perspective of like, like they were like, yeah, you get them, Gerard, you sue them, you know, yeah, like that's, that's called a fanboy. That's like a sycophant. Yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah. like there were those kinds of supporters the, yeah. who were like, I always believed you. There always will be, especially with channels that have been around for that many years, there will be I think fans. a lot of time it's like these it's these people who wish they were him. You know? Right. They, or like they like or make, they have their own little channel that, you know, gets yeah. they, they uh, views or whatever and they're like, One day I'm gonna be like the, he's my idol. I'm gonna be like him. They like attach their personality to him. Like, yeah, you know, like they, they see themselves they identify and, with him. Yeah. So um, that was pretty much the end of the story right. until last week. Yep. Um, the completionist went silent after his apology for several weeks, uh-huh. but he came back and did a stream on Twitch last week. I don't know if he's done any stream since, but, uh, this was his first like, uh, game stream where he was playing a game. Yep. Um, and doing kind of sort of his usual content. Um, I, he was, I didn't watch the stream, but what I got from what I did see of it was him, a lot of like trying to garner sympathy. It, um, go ahead. You, well, let's, you, let's, you let's ahead. mention the, he, he talked briefly, he didn't touch too much on the controversy, yeah. but he did quickly talk about, uh, he was asked some questions by his chat. Mm-hmm. So I guess he felt it you know, worthy of mentioning real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, Gerard, everyone should know, has a, his own, like, production company. It's called That One Video Gamer. Yeah. Uh, T-O-V-G. So in, when I mentioned uh, T-O-V-G in this quote, that's what I'm talking about. So he says, T-O-V-G as a company has downsized significantly. I decided to basically close up shop for a majority of the team. There's still a team that's with me, but it's much, much, much smaller. And now individuals are looking for jobs. Right. I'm rebuilding. That's what it is. And if people don't like me and don't want me to be around, that's okay. I'm sure some folks do. Yeah. Okay. So I love that in this quote, he's basically blaming Jobst and Mudahar, Jobst and Mudahar for people losing their jobs. Right. Because these guys made videos about me. Yeah. I've I've had to let go right. of half I'm, my you know, I'm gonna three quarters of my team. Damn my exposers! <laughs> like that's his position. Yeah, and he's trying to frame them as like the bad guys. Yeah, 
The reality uh, that's is that's a narcissist. Yeah, that's that's what that is. Um, and then the next thing he says, at this time, I'm not going to talk about anything going forward just because of the fact that there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that I can't talk about. One day, I'm sure I'll provide more concrete receipts. Real, real quick, thing- yeah. he owns the production company. There's no DO, DNA or I think NDA. in this next quote, he's talking about the overall drama. Okay. Um, so at this time, I'm not going to talk about anything going forward just because of the fact that there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that I can't talk about. One day, I'm sure I'll provide more concrete receipts and clear things up. But as of right now, I'm, I'm dropping it where it is. So that's him saying that, like, the story's not over. Right. I'm going to clear my good name. No, I, I think he's just kicking the can. And he just wants it to go away. He wants people to stop talking. I mean, he was becoming like he was living his dream yeah he, he was. was friends with all these indie game developers yeah, yeah. freaking celebrities coming over to his events celebrities were coming over to his house um and he, they he was being put in as like an npc in video games yeah i should mention he was put in as an npc in this game called sea of stars which was sort of a chrono trigger-esque mm-hmm. style game do you know who developed that um, the people who made the messenger, oh. uh, like a Ninja Gaiden kind of game a few years ago. I cannot remember their name. Gotcha. Um, so he was Gerard, the constructionist, right. this NPC who had, I guess, help you build like a town or something. Right. They took him out of the game and just replaced them with a generic yeah. NPC. You know how much that probably like yeah. killed could, Gerard? For, for someone in his position, I could see really, uh, uh, idolizing developers and yeah. feeling like no, he, any kind of presence in the game would be I know he's really close with the guys at Yacht Club Games oh, really? the makers of Shovel Knight right okay yeah that makes um, sense I even saw like a couple like one of their like high up employees like defending him on Twitter and just really came, yeah wow. like I, I was like are you really trying to like uh, I see he's like Gerard's a good guy I've known him for years like yeah. when that's your defense for someone yeah that doesn't yeah, I'm talking glad, about a person's personality doesn't... Like, I'm glad he's been a nice guy to you. Right. But that doesn't mean he hasn't been... Some of the nicest people have been serial killers. Right. You know? Like, <laughs> that doesn't... And I guess what I'm saying is, like, like if I woke up and I saw the news that Rick was being accused of something horrific... Right. My initial reaction to myself is I'm like, no way. Yeah. You know? Um, But I'm not necessarily going to go online and start replying to his accusers like, you're wrong. He didn't do that. Or, you know, he didn't steal and embezzle money, you know? Yeah. I would want for your, like, just well-being to not get involved, involve yourself so that you're not caught up in any kind of crossfire. Right. I mean, yeah, it just doesn't make... But you, so yeah, I have a hard time when people like get accused of things or, you know, like it comes out that maybe they've done something they shouldn't have done. And then you have all these people like friends and family and like, oh, there's no way. He's a great guy. He's right. always been so nice to me. Right. I mean, I'm that's sure not him. That's not him. Yeah. yeah. I don't believe it. You know, right. these guys are just out to get him. This is an honest mistake. Yeah. Um. I mean. Right. I don't just... know. <laughs> These, like, multiple hours worth of, like, deep dive videos yeah. just got it all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No. They even spoke to him, but, you know, yeah. he was under the influence <laughs> right. that day. Right. 
It's just unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I mean, the story is seemingly over for now, but maybe one day, maybe those no, suits we, will come we, out. We still got to come back to this the Twitch stream that he did. Okay. Um. So he. Uh, what were you? Did were you done talking about that? Or? Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, he was very much, according to like other people covering it, trying to garner a lot of sympathy. One big key takeaway was that he was heavily, heavily moderating the chat. Like his mods were just any, any anything oh, yeah. anyone said, just delete, delete, delete. Um, he didn't want he he didn't really talk about it other than just saying he doesn't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. and he'll talk about it at a later date maybe. Take his word, trust him, bro. Right. And then, um, uh, just, I just wanted to quickly highlight what some people, like, oh, yeah. People who came, who were watching the stream and stuff were tweeting, um, regarding this, but just this, the stream. And I'm also going to say that on Twitch, you have to, uh, your subscription is monthly. It's not like YouTube where you click subscribe and you're subscribed until you unsubscribe. Right. You're, your subscription is monthly. So well, but, when you say subscribe, you mean like if you pay to become a subscriber. Right. Right. Correct, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can just get alerts when someone goes live for free on Twitch. Right. But if you want to su- support, you subscribe to them. Right. Yeah. But this was the first time he had streamed on Twitch in a month. Oh, okay. So, uh his time was coming up for his subscribers ah. to become unsubscribed. And so this was really to me and to a lot of people, him just getting on Twitch to stream on Twitch so that he can get all those subscribers right. back real quick for another month and then delete the stream. Right. Which yeah. he did. He didn't he didn't save it. Someone else recorded it, right. thankfully. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I've seen footage of it already. But uh here's just what um I have four examples, but here's what people were saying and all good points on Twitter. Um uh, Frank Delano says the absolute effing nerve you've got going live on Twitch and restricting the comments. You're a genuine B word. Oh, it's probably but, only it was probably restricted to people who pay to subscribe. Yeah, it I was. Guess. It yeah. was, and not only was it restricted to people who paid, you had to be a subscriber for a certain amount of time. I so think. basically, just his sycophants yeah, were in there. Exactly. He heavily curated, yeah, um, like audience here. Um, another. Uh, at cheap dude says the completion is coming back to Twitch and having mods delete chat comments criticizing him for his charity fraud shenanigans is just peak comedy. Man has no spine and is really trying to pretend nothing happened or what he and his family uh, did was just quote unquote drama. You know, this is the sentiment. Yeah. Um, uh, at Cerebus J says, "Holy crap! Uh, the completionist is live on Twitch. I can't believe he is the gall has the gall to show his face after the hashtag charity fraud." <laughs> so I mean, it, yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, he really. I'm. I'm guessing, maybe he's grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle, mm-hmm. and not having income yeah. for two months has probably. Hurt that? Yeah, yeah. Now he's just like, "What can I do?" And he just leans into his fraud tendencies, right? And gets on Twitch and gets. His... So yeah, I think he just thinks that, "Oh, I'm just gonna 
I'm just going to keep doing it again and I'll build it back up and yeah. goodwill will return eventually. He went on Twitch to get donations and subs. Right. And then just delete it. He'll, we'll see him again in a month yeah. for the same purpose. <laughs> for the next stream. Um, yeah. And last, last comment I want to read. This is important because this is how people feel, right? It's sub only talking about the stream. The amount of people happy to see him streaming and throwing away money, gifting subs is ridiculous. I guess charity fraud is okay by the hundreds of them, uh, by the hundreds of them on now. So just calling the people viewing and donating, yeah. okay with charity fraud. Could you imagine giving him money? No. Like after, even if you really like him and you just want to see him return. Yeah. Like you just want to go back to his old content that he. Used no, to make. I, I'd be disgusted by his behavior. Like I can, and he's like, "Hey guys, uh, donations are open." Yeah. Right. Here's a donation. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, there may be more to this story down the line. Uh, if we hear anything, we'll we'll update you guys. Yeah, sounds good. So this last story is actually something we recorded last week, but the episode just went crazy long. So we're going to attach it to the end of this week's episode. Um, it's a really good discussion. It's Maybe one of the most deepest oh, it was, discussions it was we've ever had on a, on a single topic. Yeah. Um, so we're going to insert that into the episode now. And we'll see you guys next week. This one is all about Square Enix. Mm-hmm. Um, the president of Square Enix uh, reiterates their commitment to blockchain tech and aggressive AI expansion in their New Year's message. Mm-hmm. Takashi Kiryu, president of Square Enix... Um, the same Takashi Kiryu that we, we saw, saw yeah. speak at the Final Fantasy 16 like pre-launch event. Feet away from him. Yeah. Passionately talking about his youth and Final Fantasy yeah. and how now and, he's made it his you And know, the career. Famicom and his time with the Famicom. Yeah. Um, he released a New Year's message for investors, employees, and fans alike. Loosely kind of detailing Square Enix's intentions for the new year. Um, we're going to pull some of these quotes from his New Year's message and just kind of look at them one at a time and mm-hmm. just kind of just go what off comes our head, off the top of our heads. So the first quote I want to look at is where he says, In terms of new business domains, we previously identified three focus investment fields, namely blockchain entertainment slash web 3.0, mm-hmm. AI, and the cloud. Mm-hmm. Last year, we redefined our overarching mission and goals for these three fields. We are currently working to modify our organization orga- uh, or optimization. No, orga- oh, oh my God, organizational Organi- structure and organizational structure and optimize our resource allocations to support these efforts. That was embarrassing. Yeah, um, go back to third grade. <laughs> organizational, jeez. Um, Okay, so let's look at this yeah, one yeah, right here. Yeah. So we've known already, and he's basically reiterating that, hey, we're still looking at blockchain stuff. We're still... Well, the AI thing is kind of... All right, you know, let's go back a little bit. Okay, let's So go back. before we started this podcast, one big news topic that had happened the year prior or... Yeah, like 2021 2020 or something. 2022. Yeah, was that Square Enix sold off a bunch of properties um, to pay for and invest in blockchain technology and web3 technology well okay it was never explicitly stated that they sold them to pay for that Mm -hmm. but they were sort of two things that got conflated because 
they sold things and then they announced that they were going to be investing into things. Yeah. So some people took it as like, oh, they sold those yeah, to invest. Yeah, to, to invest, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you said that. Um, there is no evidence to say that the selling off of Square Enix's properties went directly to pay for their investment. The, and the things, the kinds of things that they sold off were Western properties that they had purchased years prior, like mm-hmm. Tomb Raider and Hitman. They sold Tomb Raider? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they they no longer have Tomb Raider. Dang. All right. Those are big. <laughs> yeah. Hitman too. Hitman as well, yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Um, anyways, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. I, I know they sold a lot of stuff. So, yeah, when people were saying, like, they sold Tomb Raider to make NFTs, right. people were understandably See, but that, upset. but that is... That's a, the conflating. Yeah, that, that is a conflation. Do. That's yeah. not... That's not necessarily facts. what happened. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, like clue in the listener to what what happened there um so yeah like i like he's saying here they've already talked about how they want to get more into blockchain web3 nft crypto based kinds of things Mm -hmm. um and ai in the cloud were kind of more recent additions and he talks more about ai in this and we'll get to like more of a specific thing Mm -hmm. but i want to draw our attention to this last sentence we are currently working to modify our organizational structure and optimize our resource allocations to support these efforts. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of sounds like... That sounds... I think that sounds scarier than it is. But yeah, it ahead. sounds scary. It sounds like they they want to take people away from making traditional games right. to go work on these different Yeah, and break projects. up a bunch of project teams and siphon off a bunch of properties that aren't going to contribute to this ambition or you know. i think we have evidence to the contrary yeah though. i, don't I mean we I just don't. saw a new mana game yeah. announced yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that that's um it. but i mean i do still wonder is are like certain teams like are is are people going to be more divided like are we going to see less of those kinds of projects because they have more people working on these kind of side future ambition projects i think we're going to see the same properties with the same franchises and the same installments coming out they're just going to integrate new technology oh man that's what i think yeah like that's i think the direction i mean nfts yeah you don't like them well no no no. i'm not here to talk about whether i like them or not i'm just talking about how they're sort of some people are looking at them as sort of like a future version of a microtransaction right yeah i think that's just there's a lot to learn there, I feel like, right. um, in that conclusion. Like, it's it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as a loot box. Like, that's not... No. But it's like, you're buying an in-game item, right? Yeah. So then it's also like, well, okay, now there's the potential for you to sell that in-game item, maybe, to mm-hmm. other players. Yeah. There's the potential for you to maybe hypothetical potential for you to carry that item over into a different game maybe right um like that's where some people are kind of looking at the application of blockchain technology Mm -hmm. now for me i wonder why can't it just why do they have to do that with the blockchain like why isn't that something they just can't do with a square enix account well, because the blockchain adds a token to it that makes it a unique, non-fungible item. 
digital good. Right. So everybody has the same... It, visually, it looks like the same Moogle helmet. Right. But yours is, you know, has a special yeah. serial code, okay. essentially. So, I mean, so this is... I'm I'm not gonna go the NFT bro route in my explanation here and say okay. you just don't understand you just don't get it, but because I'm not I'm not on that page um, with this topic, and I'm also not gonna sit here and be the one defending Web three right so okay. just heads up about okay. that, um, but I will say that I am positive about Web three I want to see Web three prosper, and I'm not, I don't need to defend or define NFTs. To be that way, to feel that way. What do you? Okay, so I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you is, what is the incentive for Square Enix to do something that has traditionally already been done through like an account kind of system, or something that could be done through an account system? Like, there's no reason your Moogle helm from Final Fantasy 15 can't be your Moogle helm in Final Fantasy 16. If they sold something like right. that, and you couldn't carry it over. Yeah, but there is a difference in that the Moogle Helm is one of, or is infinite, one of infinite. Right. And then, you know, with NFTs, it's not one of infinite. Right, but functionally, it's, it's still the Moogle Helm, right? I mean, maybe for your purposes. Okay. So, but, I mean, what do you, what is there to gain for Square Enix? Well, if there's a marketplace for the buying and selling of... Okay, something like a Moogle Helm is going to be a common item enough to where every player is going to All right, well, let's say the Moogle Helm is only available for 24 hours. Okay. And so... Forget the Moogle Helm. Okay. Or or a Corlum or whatever, Sword or whatever. Okay. One of 20 in all game files. Like, there's one of 20. There's only 20. There's a competition for it or a dual tournament or something like that. And 20 of these swords were given away. Okay. Now, each one of those is going to be numbered. And there's if there's a marketplace, if there's like a bazaar or something in the game, that I'm, I'm making stuff up. Okay. okay, I see. Okay, so you're saying like Square Enix, players could sell their things at this bazaar, yeah. and Square Enix would take a cut. Right. As, so this as, sword as sells... As any platform would. This, sell, this sword... You're right. Any, any seller would. This sword will then go... Let's say it sells for $50,000. Sure. In Bitcoin or Ethereum, it would be Ethereum. Whatever. Why is that a positive thing, though, for gamers? I mean, it's positive for the guy who won it and sold it, I right, guess. Right, yeah. Um, be, well, be, that's why. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for people who want to be ambitious, which gamers usually do. I mean, there's competitive gamers, sure. Yeah. Um, um I mean, like, we've seen... I like I like what this does for the co- completionist or collectionist game type, gamer type. But that's you. That is me. So, I feel that... Okay, and now we're adding in sort of an online-only component to games, too? Uh, or, like, they would have to maintain this connection to this NFT. Yeah, well, the, the blockchain is different than a server, and that's the whole point of having a blockchain. Right, but, like, there's still... The the game still has to main, maintain a connection to the blockchain in order for this sword or helmet or whatever to get moved Yeah, but around. even if that connection is disrupted, that sword doesn't go away. The sword doesn't go away. Right. But, or... Or none of your, none of your stuff goes away. Right. None of your NFT-owned, Web3-owned stuff goes away. Okay. It exists on the blockchain forever. 
But let's say they stop making games that support that that particular NFT or that particular sword. Let's just call those. Yeah, let's refer to it by the sword. Yeah, you're thinking in terms of servers again. So, okay, all right. So let's go with that. Let's say Final Fantasy 20 freaking comes out. And all the Final Fantasies from now up till that point support this NFT blockchain technology and items and trading items and uh-huh. selling items, etc. And then 20 comes out and they're done with it. They're done with the blockchain. They're moving on. You can still access Final Fantasy 17, 18, 19 and sell that stuff. That stuff still exists. Don't think about this like a server. A server, your data exists on the server and they can shut it off. A blockchain is not like that. No one person owns a blockchain. Right. It's, it's a... But I still see them needing to maintain the connection to the blockchain for the individual games. And I feel like that as time goes on... No, that's where wallets come in. And it's not the same thing. You're... you're... That's How do you think thing. this works when you get PlayStation involved? Like, we're talking in a PC space right now. Yeah. So now the marketplace... PlayStation's getting a cut of that $50,000. Okay, if this ever happens, yeah. you bet that MetaMask and all these other wallet providers are mm-hmm. going to be able to, like... Integrate with... Integ- yeah, okay. in- exactly. There's never... I, there's no freaking way. It's just going to be access in the game, and that's it. Okay. You should be able to send this stuff to your wallets. People would demand that to the point where the game wouldn't succeed if they didn't provide that. Um, you sh- Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I've played MMOs and games where there are, like, auction houses and you can sell your items and things like that, you know, to other players. Right. Um, and, you know, Diablo 3 famously, uh, I mean, it wasn't on the blockchain, but they they had a brief, for, like, the first year of the game's existence, they had a real money auction house mm-hmm. where you could sell items you found on an auction house and people could pay real money for them. Right. And it went famously bad for them. Sure. And they got rid of it. They took it out of the game. Uh, that was probably before its time. It probably was. Um, I think something like that could be done successfully well, Their now. excuse was that players for like Diablo 2 were already doing that. Mm-hmm. They had organized like, you know, third-party websites where you could find people and sell items. Right. So Blizzard's excuse was, well, if we do it this way, we'll make it safe for the players. Nobody gets scammed. Right. And of course they make money. Right. That's they're taking 30% or whatever. Right. So okay, so something like that, successful or not at the time, would be the precursor to something like this. Right. But this is that, but way better because these are this, the the whole web three thing changes the way digital goods exist. Um, they're no longer the digital goods that we think of that are temporary and don't exist. And once you turn off the server, the disc stops spinning, right. they don't exist anymore. They're gone. This fixes that. Okay. NFT web three fixes that problem. Uh, that digital goods have they now exist i guess if you're someone who buys digital goods yeah maybe this could be seen as a good thing i'm just not really into the idea of players feeling pressured to especially the completionist type players Uh feeling pressured to get involved well then you should you should have had a big fit when in-game purchases and loot boxes and all that came out. 
because that's don't just, you remember us talking yeah, about oh, that yeah, I know. a decade ago? I know you did. <laughs> but I'm just saying that this is not anything new in that regard. It's very new. It's it, The technology is extremely new and extremely... Uh, I don't want to call it revolutionary. I'm not I'm not religious about it. Right. I mean like so the thing with like an in-game purchase, right? It's like it's capped at a price. Yes. But when you start mixing in NFTs, mm -hmm. then the price can be whatever the market uh, will pay. Yeah, in an auction type of atmosphere environment, yes. Yeah, it could it could become stupid. It could become millions of dollars for a single digital good. That could right. technically happen. I mean even um like I have a hard time when any game, like let's say a $60 game comes out, right? Yeah. And they're asking $50 for an outfit mm -hmm. for your character. That makes me groan and like, mm -hmm. just like. Yeah. Oh. So that, and, and the reason that you groan about that, or the reason that like that doesn't seem right is because that thing can just be copied. Like that's just one of infinite units of that. Costume. See, I don't know that ma making it limited or unique via some kind of serial code yeah, would make but... me groan less. So the 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 limited, if they only had like fifty purchases of this digital good, the reason that that still seems wrong and doesn't make sense is because that's just an artificial number that they threw in there and they just stopped selling the item. But that doesn't make it any less infinite. It's still a copy of the same thing right. sold 50 times with a, an artificial limiter on it. This fixes that. This is like digital goods almost made to be like physical goods. And they exist on a network of nodes, thousands of nodes. No one person owns. No one can shut it off. This is, this is different. This is different than a server. This is different than the, any digital good anyone has ever purchased. Web3 is a big thing I'm I'm positive about, I'm optimistic for. I want to see it prosper. Um, I understand that people don't. Like, I understand that people don't see how the, impl the implications with it. And I just see it benefiting... I, I guess I just don't see the benefit for the majority of players in some in certain cases mm -hmm. i feel like it is another way for in these kinds of like especially the gaming kind of area yeah. like for artists and stuff you know that sell nft art people want to pay for that great right. that it's going to an individual artist right but like when we're getting corporations involved like i feel like it's taking it's always going to take something that was maybe had good intentions and use it for the thing is that... Nefarious purposes. Okay, so imagine digital goods that are, you know, tokened and exist on a system outside of the server, okay? Now imagine that they are backed by real money, real money that people use to purchase cryptocurrency, even these corporations, to pay the gas fees to mint those NFTs. Okay. So they're backed. They're backed in the same way that your green paper in your pocket it was once backed it's no longer backed. okay so let's say but let's say there oh look then let's say there's a game where you can't sell it like so you buy this nft yeah. and they don't give you a way to sell it in the game okay 
So you have it. You have it, but that's all you can ever see, do with it. See, I guess there's just so many yeah, different possibilities. That's a lot, I mean, yeah, so that's a good question, but again, I don't see that being feasible for any company without implementing wallet connection, you know, like wallet. I don't want to say connectivity because there's going to be connectivity. It's just implementation in the game interface. Now, um, do you think this is something that's actually... Do you think a lot of these companies are just looking into it and if it takes off? A lot of them are spectators. A lot of them are spectating. I think all of them are spectating. Do you think anybody, like any big players in the game, are actually like truly like preparing something for the market? Or do you think it's more of like we want to be ready in case this takes off kind of a thing? So that way we're not slow to react? I think it's both. I think that the shareholders of these companies are probably positioning themselves that way, where they just want to be at the forefront and have the tools and technology at their disposal to be in the first wave of whatever big shift takes off. Okay. But I think on a design level, like the game designers, the engineers that are you know under those people... They're probably thinking more innovatively about it. Now, do you, do you think this is something? Well, no, I don't. I'll save that question for later. Sure. Um, do you think this is going to? And I'm asking, as I know you're more. I'm open-minded about. Well, you know I'm more thinking. about it, so sure. that's why I'm asking these sure. questions. Okay. Um, do you think this is some, or do you believe this is something that uh, will? take off i know we had like a sure. kind of a boom a year or two ago mm-hmm. with like nft that, specifically yeah. there was a big spectator bubble it was and a then million dollar spectator bubble and then it kind of went away yeah i mean nfts are still a thing they're still out there we had a few moments during that phase where certain musical artists i believe snoop dogg or 50 cent one of them there was a bunch of musical artists yeah. that were releasing like like albums. nft albums yeah, yeah. Um, stuff like that. So, I mean, we had, I think that was a good introduction to the world. It seems like it's gone quiet. It has gone quiet. Is it because people are like retooling? Well, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's going to be, I don't, I'm not going to predict the future. I know that NFTs that Justin Bieber owned and purchased for 3 million or whatever are now (laughs) worth like 10,000 at this moment. Oof. But that doesn't mean that it won't go back up to True. something. To something. Maybe not yeah. that high. Maybe higher. I don't know. As long as he doesn't sell, right? Right. That's true. If you're... I mean, you can laugh, but that's true. If you don't sell... You haven't lost anything. You yet. haven't... Yeah, you don't have access. You've lost time, I guess. Yeah. Time with that money that you otherwise would have had. But you haven't lost any dollars, you know. I But... Yeah, I get. I totally get people's uh, like pessimism. I guess. About... Yeah, for me, it's just the integration with games that because I just I don't think that any developer or corporations thinking about it from the angle of like, oh, we're thinking about the players with this. Yeah, well, that's the case with anything. They're not thinking when they make the games themselves. Are they really thinking about the player? I mean, the game designer might. Yeah, I think I think there's like a marketing aspect of it where it's like we have to sell this game right. in order to 
like artists want to continue to make games, right? Right. In order to do that, they have to sell so many copies. Yes. So there's a certain amount of give and take that has to happen. Right. They have to make an, a game. Maybe they're not making the game 100% that they would have wanted to make, right? Yeah. So maybe they had to make it to appeal to the market. I mean, even Square Enix and Final Fantasy and the big franchises, they cut systems from the design. Sure. Yeah. I mean, dude, either time, budget, yeah. like so many reasons why things get cut from games. Yeah. Um, you know, they've spent enough. The game needs to launch, you know. I think the integration of Web3 into games, if it happens, will also have that same element of give and take. Mm. There will be, you know, the potential of making money and the prospect of making a lot of money. Um, and I think there will be, here's something cool and new we can do that players will enjoy. I mean, may, yeah, I could see there being games that are designed around it from the ground up, potentially being interesting and innovative yeah. and cool. I just think there's got to be a way to do it where it doesn't involve people spending thousands of dollars. My best example of how Web3, and this is my own personal thing, uh, my best example of how Web3 would work best, like hands down, is a game like No Man's Sky. Okay. Where you own your own planet, or you own your own section of a planet, and that is accessible to all players, you know. But you own, you physically own it. Who's the guy who made Fable? Peter, uh, Peter Molyneux. Okay, I believe he was the div- he was selling plots of a land. Yeah, on... but see, that's fake. Okay. That's that's just fake digital okay. stuff. That I thought it was part of a game, though. Yeah, I mean, it is part of a game, but the game exists on a server. Okay, it's just a digital. But I thought visual it was on the blockchain. Oh, it is. Yeah, oh, I, I don't actually know. Yeah, like that was something he started the last couple of years. Okay. Yeah. Then you might be right. I don't. I Peter Molyneux is the kind of developer game designer who makes is infamous for making promises. Right. This yeah. highs the sky. Yeah. And not following through. I don't think or he has. Not even the, releasing something in yeah. some cases. I don't think he has the ability to do a lot of what he would like to do. Yeah. So he envisions it and comes up with these great, grand yeah. ideas in his head. He's responsible for, like, well, like you said, Fable. I think also the Civilization franchise no, no, or something no, like that. That's Sid Meier. That's right. You're yeah. right. It's, his name is on the game. Um,. He has a, a one of those God Mode type games. Yeah. Uh, black and White or something like that, something I think like it's that. called. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's jump to the next quote here. Yeah. Um, on the publishing side, which consists of our sales and marketing function, we are working to enable greater global collaboration to promote the shift to digital. Mm-hmm. I guess we don't have a huge amount of context around this quote. Right. But the first thing that, of course, comes to my head yeah. is getting away from physical games. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's where you and I are going to fall right in line with so like, each other. This is like... So th- I'm going to be honest with you because we're going to... I'll just... I'll spoil something here. We're, we're going to read a total of four quotes. That's the one I have a problem with. Yeah, this one is... Um, this one's scary. I mean, Square Enix already doesn't release a lot of their smaller titles physically to begin with. Right. If we start seeing even their bigger titles go digital only... I will say this as a game collector. Square Enix is the one that I want 
my physical. Like, it's the one. Yeah. I have a tattoo of a property of theirs. Yeah. You know, it's the one that is, like, the the premiere for me in my collection. Like, I have the Final Fantasy cartridges. Because um, I see their games as masterpieces. And that this... I have such a problem with this quote that this is the direction they want to go in. And, I mean, I love and respect Square Enix because of the way they've been and because of the way they are now. And I understand the mentality that they have. I feel connected to them in a way. Right. Um, they're looking forward. They're, they are very traditional. And they are self-aware, it almost seems to me, to that, you know bias toward traditional ways of doing things to the point where they're like we need to look forward we need to be cutting edge we need to be right up there with the other big players and we need to be looking forward to the future and up upcoming technologies and you know we want to be on, on the front maybe they're know. getting too ahead of themselves yeah some things basically that's how i feel it's like they're too eager to leave physical I am, behind i am not opposed to digital stuff existing i'm not opposed to streaming existing i am opposed to those things replacing right what is actually good yeah um and this is sad yeah this you know like i loved them at final the final fantasy 16 launch event and then i read this and i'm yeah. like oh no they got yeah, the wrong guy this sucks this sucks because i like that guy yeah um not much. I mean, our position our position is clear. Yeah, about, just go back to any episode. Uh, yeah, pick about one. you know physical versus digital, and so this quote is uh, distressing. Yeah, um, I don't want to see a digital only Square Enix. I really hope that this direction falls on its face. I think there was an a quote that I don't have here, um, but they talked about wanting to provide more access to like their back catalog of games and maybe that will be part of this digital right games that have already been available physically in the past something like a square enix virtual console or something that or just more re-releases but maybe they don't release them physically maybe they just put them digitally i mean think about all their ps3 games Mm -hmm. like they're all stuck on ps3 yeah like very few games have escaped ps3 right because it is such a weird console to design games for Mm -hmm. it's you can't just easily port it vita 2 falls into that i feel like Uh, and there's reasons for that yeah i mean we saw a lot of games be on the vita and the ps4 at the same time right that's true yeah yeah in the later vita yeah but there are definitely some stuff that's kind of still stuck there um i um I had something to say about this, and it was important, too, but I forgot. Well, if it comes back to you, we'll shift back over to it. Oh, oh yeah. Specifically, I want to talk about the word shift. Okay, I'm glad I got that for you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you... <laughs> thank you. I said that intentionally. I was going to say, as they shift to digital, we'll shift back. Okay. Yeah, so that's actually what I want to talk about. That word shift. That is the word that I have a problem with. You could have this whole sentence... And not use the word shift. Right. Because to promote digital. To promote digital. Yeah, that's fine. Promote digital. I have no problem. To shift means to move away to from. To move away from something else. Yeah. And that... So that tells me that, like, it's happening. Yeah. Like, they're going to... Maybe it'll backfire on them and they reverse course at some point. Yeah. Um, well... I think they're going to... I think there's there's still so much... Even if it gets to the point where it's 
20% physical, 80% digital sales, which mm-hmm. would be a sad day to get to. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's already there for we're some We're already games, close, I but, think. Uh, I mean, we're probably 60-40, I think. Okay. 50, I mean, I think if you're Nintendo, probably might still skew just as much physical as yeah, digital. Sure. But, like, for, like, PlayStation and especially Xbox, um, it's definitely leaning more towards digital purchases now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't, but I mean, even 20% of sales, wouldn't that, are you really willing to throw away 20% of sales? I don't think that it's, this is, I mean, I guess I'm getting a little conspiratorial here and I'm talking about the industry as a whole. Okay. I'm not talking about Square Enix. I think Square Enix is trying to fit in, in a way. Mm. Um, I don't think it's so much about them looking at numbers. I think that they want the control. I think that they have been looking at used game sales for a very long time. They really hate that stuff. They really hate piracy. Right. Like, to the point where they invest millions of dollars into DRM development. And I think they don't really care if physical, it makes up 20% or 40%. Mm-hmm. They just want to move away from physical and they want period. control yeah i think they just want to be able to guide the player's hand you know i mean i'm not gonna lie i will i i'm at the point where i refuse to buy a digital game at full price mm-hmm. like if i have to wait two years till the game is if it's 60 percent off then i'll wait the, i'll I mean, wait that long unless the digital version is set at a lower price point than the physical version which is something that if that was ever going to happen, it would have been done years ago right. when we first saw that. You're right. And I remember publishers talking about like, oh, well, you know, since it's better for, it'll be better for the players. That's what they were saying that like, oh, we won't have to pay all, we won't have to pay all these things. So it'll be cheaper for the the consumer. Yeah. Right. And then that never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, so they, you know, the industry likes to make a lot of excuses. They like to tell you something to get, to sell an idea. Right. You know, this is the way government works. Like, this is the way everything works. Um, They, you know, they get you whatever they they say, whatever they need to. And then they roll it out and it's not not what they say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think in the case of like limited run games, you'll spend $35 on a physical version, but the game itself is $12, you know, digital. Right. Or... You know what I find happens a lot? When a game goes up for sale physically at limited run, Mm -hmm. usually it's a game that's already been on the market. At that same exact time, the game is always seemingly steeply discounted on like digital storefronts where it's like 60% off, 80% off. Yeah. So it's like I could spend $35 on the physical game Mm -hmm. or it's $2.99 on the right. PlayStation store or whatever. So right. it's like you almost feel stupid it's, yeah. buying the physical game. Right. And and if you don't care, like we care. Right. There's no way you're going to convince me. You can make the digital version free. I'll, I'll download <laughs> sure. it if it's free, but I'm going to buy the physical. I mean, yeah, for like if it's something I want, something I want to support, something I want to yeah. have. I mean, I could see myself as like, well, I'll just buy both. Right. You know, I'll buy the physical. Right. You know, have it sealed, you know, yeah. nice part of my collection, and then I have access to the digital game that I can, Yeah, you know. A, a game has to be exclusively digital for me to buy digital. Right. And the thing is, nowadays, you never know. Right. Like, if it seem, seemingly, at some point, every decent 
digital only game gets a physical release. Right. There are still exceptions from time to well, time. I mean, the biz- the biggest, I guess, example slash regret on my part is not buying Sonic Four, like Sega's Sonic mm. Four, the crappy one. Yeah. I need like I should have that. I should have had that. That on was digital home. only, right? It was digital only, and it's gone forever. Oh, they don't sell it on. I don't think so. Oh, I, I own it on PS3. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, good for you. Yeah. Because that's a piece of history that I don't have. I know that gone. was delisted. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes sense it's not around. It's not a great game. No. But it, I, it didn't look good for it's Sonic. It's something that I wish I had. Yeah. I um, remember being excited for that. Yeah. And then the first level was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then everything after that was garbage. I wouldn't call it wonderful. The... the um, the state machine itself of Sonic. Okay, yeah. And the controls sucked. It was sluggish. It didn't feel like Sonic. But I mean, like, just zipping through the stage. The graphics looked decent. Yeah. For a 3D, 2D Sonic yeah. game, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, what a... Definitely came out during a dark time for Sonic, too. Like, they yeah. they were struggling to that figure was out what to do. Time, that was before Sonic Mania. And I but think yeah. that was had a big influence on their decision to make Sonic Mania and contact the developer who yeah. who was a modder right. um, of Sonic games. But anyways, we're getting too off topic. All right, so these next two quotes we have are both about um, AI. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to read one at a time. We'll briefly touch on the first one, then we'll touch on the second one, then we can maybe talk about it as a whole, and then we're going to have to wrap up this episode. That's fine. Um, But uh, let's start with the first one. We also intend to be aggressive in applying AI and other cutting-edge technologies to both our content development and our publishing functions. In the short term, our goal will be to enhance our development productivity and achieve greater sophistication in our marketing efforts. In the longer term, we hope to leverage those technologies to create new forms of content for consumers, as we believe that technological innovation represents business opportunities. All right, let's kind of, let's, you know, I'm going to read the second one real quick. It's, It's related enough. I believe that generative AI has the potential not only to reshape what we create, but also to fundamentally change the processes by which we create, including programming. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, Takshi Kiryu is a smart guy. I think he's a really intelligent guy. He uh, he's young, yeah, um, and so he's he feels a lot less beholden to old traditions mm-hmm. than past CEOs, not just of Square Enix, but other. I bet you he's got more pressure on him mm-hmm. than like any Square Enix CEO before him. Why do you think that? I think Square Enix is just kind of in a a unique transitional period. Uh, I think they got someone young because they wanted someone with young ideas, but I'm sure he's still beholden to a bunch of older people. Oh, no doubt. Well, they're public. Uh, public. I think they are. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, So I I can just imagine, I think his tenure Mm -hmm. as president will either be very short or... Maybe very long, mm-hmm. depending on how his bets pay out. Right. Uh, but yeah, I could see him being gone quickly, potentially. Uh, yeah. Um, he's making shifts. 
like you know, <laughs> like we talked about. Uh, okay, and... so let's let's talk about AI. The thing that interests me the most is him talking about using it, not so much for marketing. I don't care about that as much. Sure, I'm more interested in him talking about using it for game development. He specifically gets into talking about AI's application in game, as well as, and he he's very specific. AI's application in game development. Yeah. So as a game development... Okay, so this is... AI is like the newer, hotter thing. Like Web3 yeah. is almost old news now. Uh, they're, well, well they, AI they is coexist. maybe part they of They totally it. Sure, yeah. They, they'll work together at yeah. some point. Or they already are. Yeah. Um, but like that's... AI is the really hot thing right now, yeah, specifically. Yeah. Everybody... Yeah, it's the buzzword. Yeah. You put on your product. AI has been a thing for... Remember when Decades. cloud was... Yeah, oh, cloud yeah, was the yeah. buzzword, buzzword, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, artists are, generally speaking, not a fan of, like, this generative AI stuff. Yeah. Because... Unless you're a technical artist. Sure. I mean, they... Like, a traditional artist... Sure. Like, I see a lot of people who draw art online and they post it, and now they have to deal with accusations of their art being AI-generated, mm -hmm. or, you know, like, now AI art is getting, like, so good that unless you really look at it, you can't even tell it's, like, AI-generated anymore. Yeah, 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 And so a lot of artists who will spend 20, 40 hours on a piece mm -hmm. when some generative thing will spit something out in 5, 10 minutes for you. Right. Um, so, as someone who's, like, the people developing games, some of them, you know, oh, I paint background environments. Mm -hmm. mm, might want you to find a new job, because AI is going to paint those clouds pretty soon. Um, no. No? Not quite. Uh, I see, I totally understand. Like, like I, I don't think, think I don't think that... I don't think that most game developers... I mean, I think there are some game developers who are excited at the prospect of this. Mm -hmm. Especially smaller solo developers yeah. who could use AI oh, yeah. to help them. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you got to understand that AI is also trained on people's copyrighted works. And that, like, is this AI really even doing anything itself? Or is it just... Well, by it's it's a machine. Right. By definition, a machine right. doesn't do anything for itself. Right. So it's using stolen data to produce works for you. How did okay? How did you get there? Okay, how, because AI is these these they're trained on copyrighted work. What are you talking about? So I, these databases that they that they put that these AI companies have put together. Mm-hmm. To, you know, to you know this. You've seen it. Yes, they've you've, talked you've about seen it. The assets. They talk these AI companies talk about the assets. They just let it loose on Google Images. Okay. So which is all co mostly copyrighted sure, material. Sure. Yeah. So what you have is a, a stroke of pixels sampled from ten million different copyrighted images. You have an, a pretty original image. No one can claim ownership of that. Yeah, but I mean, it's like these people's things were crawled without like their consent. You know what? I mean, I don't know what. There's nothing to be done about it. It's yeah. already been done. I, I'm gonna say this, and this is gonna sound cold of me and all that. That's fine. It's fact. The people who ran the telegraph hated the telephone when that started coming out. They right. probably felt the same way that a lot of these people do about AI. 
I mean, the, last year we're talking about thousands of people losing their jobs. AI is going to cause thousands of people to lose their jobs in the games industry, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, natural selection has is brutal. I guess, but I see it impacting artists probably more than anyone. Like, programmers, not, not as much, I don't think. Uh, yeah. Programmers would have an edge. Yeah. But, like, the art people uh, are, you... I think, the most vulnerable. So here is what I think, because you talked about background artists, and I said probably not. People painting rocks right. and stuff. So... Um, nobody is painting just rocks. They're, that position doesn't exist. Right. I know there's so, not the rock guy. Yeah, but like, if we're going to get this specific, like, it has to be real. So, the person who paints backgrounds, no AI can just, like, you get, a developer, a publisher cannot just take an AI and have it just write its backgrounds forever. You can't, that's not... Well, I know, work. someone has to... Yeah, someone needs to stay on top of new art style, art style development, art direction, right. background art direction, painting new, training it to make the new... Like, if you're running the same AI for your next game with the same samples and assets and it hasn't learned anything new, that's already, like, one is too much, in my opinion, I think. Well, I mean, we're seeing these AI companies come up and i'm sure they're going to continue to update their model right but they're gonna need their artists still they're they might need less artists you could argue. yeah i i think significantly less sure i think you're gonna almost have like you know you could have you might have a team of 10 now and it might wind up being three yeah you know like i say natural selection is brutal yeah and that's not me being like yeah. Yay AI. So, I mean, know. okay, this is a little off topic, but, like, the whole idea is, like, in a utopian world, right? Like, mm-hmm. people, man is free to create yeah. art, music, whatever. Yes. And, like, machines do all the work. Do all the hard labor, right? In a utopian society. Mm. Yeah, but there's no definition. You're not playing any def. What, what's hard work? How do you define hard work? What, like, what is Like that? manual labor. Okay. Yeah, sure. So, you want to limit machines to just manual labor? Then goodbye computer. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, like, like things that, like, are nine to fives. Yeah, sure. Like, those go away and are just done by machine. Okay. And then man is now free to create. Just be creative. Right. And enjoy creations. So, you want to see machines... Pack your Amazon Amazon packages, and then man does like all the stuff that's intellectual. Essentially, yeah. Sorry, like, no, no, I, no. I'm I'm not saying that's what I want to say. I'm just saying that's what a utopian something that's not achievable. Mm-hmm. A utopian society. Sure. Where it's just like yeah. So you want men just writing books and making films and like doing all this in an ideal world. Right. Okay. Wouldn't that be nice? You'd just be free to work on your creative pursuits? Yeah, but it, what is the artist who makes machines? The programming artist? What is the technical artist? Oh, no. Like, I mean, those makes ma- machines. Yeah, and that's that's something he's passionate about doing. Right. And then he does it for essentially the greater good of humanity. Right, but he makes his machines to sample works and then combine those samples and right. things get more intellectual. And do math. Right. Better than humans. I'm just saying, like, if 
if we're dis- if we start discouraging people becoming artists because machines do it all for them. We have already. machines because there is art. Right. But what I'm saying is now we're getting to the point where it's like the reverse, where it's like the machines are going to do the art now and you don't need to do it anymore. You can go to McDonald's. Yeah, but that, okay. So you're, so, okay, there, there's a shift, right? So yeah. let's say AI is coming in for the kill, okay. right? There's, and yeah, there's going to be massive layoffs where hundreds of thousands, millions Like of affecting creatives yeah, specifically. Sure, yeah. Um, what's going to happen is there's going to be a correction, after that, there's going to be a correction. After that, okay. people are going to just come up with the next. I mean, phase could of you evolution. see the correction being that people reject AI created works, and that they want to almost like how people don't want to support like mass manufactured stuff now. They want to support like artisan th- handcrafted stuff. Right. So there will be some of that. Yeah. Definitely. I don't how much I don't know, but I think a lot. Yeah. Um yeah, people are going handmade stuff. Hand, uh, the word handmade, something that is handmade is going to have a much higher value. Yeah. Going forward. It implies that. Yeah. Um aside from that though, I don't think AI I, AI is patently the superior. It's what's going to happen. Okay. If we have a machine that can make a person on the screen with, with full voice and full motion capture and do everything an actor does, that's going to take over. I'm sorry. Like, that's just, there's no way it's not. You're going to have legislation blocking it and all this other stuff. That's mm-hmm. all going to just expire. It's going to take over. It's too powerful. Um, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a correction. People who are creative and artistic are going to come back around and learn the AI and then improve on that and then make themselves more powerful again. Like this I is mean, what telephones it? went through. So, okay. You're seeing it as more of like, instead of like doing the actual creative work, you become more of someone who is good at inputting prompts for the AI like, that's the person you're going to be looking for? Prompts? So, like, people prompt AI to generate something. Right. Right? Right. So you need someone to be good at writing those prompts for the AI. Sure, I guess. I mean, like, yeah, if you... you're... I mean... AI, you can argue games on the NES, enemy patterns, etc., enemy behaviors, is AI. That is AI. Right. Um, especially in Pac-Man. I mean, where... we're talking about generative AI here, though. Sure. Um, same thing, though. I mean, it's... You're... All generative AI is, is AI that's taking data or taking readings, input, and putting it into a table or a, a list or something and storing right. it. Right. That's all that I, is. I understand that, like, the, the Pac-Man ghost enemy was creating a a, a certain direction that they walked you know, right? But like, I mean, that wasn't really affecting people's jobs or bottom lines at that time. Okay, you're making a lot of leaps here. What I'm talking about is the stuff that's going to have a lot of people in the games industry lose their jobs. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think. So yeah. I mean, if you're if you're an employee and you're hearing this, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm not... Okay. Look, here, here's what I have to say to people. Okay. Learn the learn the stuff. Learn the crap. That's learn probably it. a good idea. Freaking learn it. Step up 
and you know some something's happening right act right right counteract it like get up learn how ai works if you're an actor or i don't know if an actor can do that but <laughs> if you're a programmer or an artist especially a digital artist you better start learning ai yeah i i would love to write my own ai i have ideas for one um that are pretty unique you know i'm not going to talk about it too much but sure. like yeah i i embrace it i because what else do you do you're right i think if you want to stay employed yeah and you know you want to be you know helpful you, useful then... you know what it, things happen if you're if you're a coachman if your trade your family legacy was being a coachman guess what you're out of business you've been out of business for a hundred years right because we had the automobile and all of a sudden horses were illegal to be on the road yeah you know which they were on the road for hundreds of years before that and that happens that's called evolution okay so how do okay what do you think do you think a lot of employees are excited hearing this like i mean do you think that in the industry, because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not in the industry, so I'm not thinking from someone who's in the industry in their perspective. Sure. Um, like, do you think people are like, oh, God, AI is going to be such a great help to us? Or do you think or do you feel like people are maybe feeling differently? Like, because I, I could see where an artist could use it to mm -hmm. maybe, you know, instead of starting with a blank canvas, you start with a little bit of work done yeah, already to start manipulating. Yeah, but I mean... AI is going to create a platform that can then be innovated upon, yeah. you know, and you can end up with something that's like some double piece of artwork or something, you know, like it's... A... Yeah, I mean, I think if someone is taking a base that AI generated and is still doing things with it, they're still an artist. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, AI is not going to replace human art. But are you... You're not worried that... That people who... I don't know, maybe, I don't want to say haven't earned it or mm -hmm. don't actually have the skill mm -hmm. are going to be, like, taking from people who deserve to be there instead. I mean, like, of well, course that's, that's going to happen. Uh, that's that's going to happen. That's been the freaking case for yeah. 30 freaking years. Um, yeah. I would just feel, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, 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 I wouldn't want to be I think I, Okay, I think you're really, like being influenced by like stigmas and stuff like that and i'm that's not i'm not criticizing you okay but i do think that like a lot of your feelings toward ai might be more i mean i follow a lot of artists on twitter mm -hmm. and i see how it affects like them and their like mental state okay well and I know how the mental state on twitter is on average i just mean and it's not just Twitter is artist anywhere, sure. but I mean, like that's where I'm interacting with artists the most, I right. guess you could say. Sure. And it's just I. I mean, AI is not big enough as of a standard right now to be threatening them. I mean, no. Short term. No, like... I mean not not people who are actually like. I mean, I don't know. I've seen AI generate some like incredible illustrations yeah and then like people will look at them and they're like well they have like seven fingers you know and like weird stuff like that yeah you know? it doesn't do well in video i've noticed oh yeah video is... <laughs> it has a ways to go yeah um but i mean when it comes to you know 
give me a design a character that looks like this and then it'll spit out some incredible image right yeah especially if you have it do it in like an illustrative kind of style right you know? yeah um yeah, and, and you know like, what? Hey, well, I'm a character designer now. That's you know? yeah, sure, okay, yeah, people. But here's the thing: that's here to help. That's here to help artists, yeah, potentially. And yeah, um, the people who can't do anything are going to now be able to, quote unquote, do something yeah. with it. But if you're an artist, your specialty is creativity and innovation. And if you can't do that, if you can't do creativity and innovation, and figure out a creative way to make this a good thing for you, then I question. Maybe you're talented, maybe you have a, a lot of skill, but you need creativity, you need innovation. You need to be able to take AI and what AI can do and say, okay, I'm gonna use that to do this and then here's what I'm gonna do with that. Yeah. Um, so aside from the art aspect, he talks about programming. Yeah. So I know that's maybe even more... I've heard about, like, AI, like, you can literally say, hey, give me a script that does this. Yeah. And it'll spit it out for you. Imagine what I can do if I can just tell an AI, model right. me a model me a building. Right. Model me a fortress. Right. No, yeah. And I do... I, I can see this being incredibly helpful for, like, indie devs. Yeah. Um, but that same... Like, that's a formula. And that can apply to a big company, too. Yeah. You know, it's just humans need to adapt to it. Yeah. And people who question the unknown and get uncomfortable about the unknown haven't. So, like, <clears throat> I mean, do you... Hmm, yeah, I foresee... You know, it'll be interesting to see, like, the public... When, like, okay, this is the first Final Fantasy with a lot of AI assistance. Sure. So this is the first Final Fantasy game where a lot of things were generated by AI. I mean, text to speech and all that, etc. The vice like, versa. Yeah, we've that's we've, AI. We've gone rid of like we have no voice actors on this. Yeah, that's, that's AI. But AI. that is that's been around for a long time, and that right. is AI. I know um, it's just not usually <clears throat> used in big production. Like, sure, AI voices have been used in video games before. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're even talking about. I've even heard like people theorize. Imagine an Animal Crossing game where, you know, every NPC has a, every little villager character has its own little AI, and you know, they all like you're never hearing something you've already heard before in right. an Animal Crossing right, game. Right. You know, every time you talk to an NPC, yeah. That's crazy. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a crazy concept that, like, every sound that a character NPC makes is going to be unique and never be replicated again. That's a crazy concept. Yeah. I, AI I, can be used like that yeah. to make true innovation happen. Yeah. Uh, and hu it takes a human. It will always, forever, till the end of time, take a human to put it into that implication. Uh, you believe that? I that do. an AI won't ever be able to tell an AI what to do? You may have an AI be able to tell an AI. You may have, like, parent AI. Because yeah. when I write scripts, I have a parent script and then children's scripts. Right. But uh, it takes a human to write those scripts. Right. You know? But, I mean, once it's there, it's there. And I don't want to sound like Skynet, you know? Right. Like, anything right. like that. It's never going to be that. I, hum I mean... You can have the artificial intelligence, you can have AI making decisions, but those decisions were all made by a human long before the AI made them. 
Right. The, you know, the human sets the limitations. The human sets the standards and the ex- expectations. Um, Who and, becomes accountable when an AI makes a decision that maybe wasn't a good decision? The company that owns the AI, a human will be held accountable. Okay. There's no way... You think of, so? There, yeah. You think that's going to happen? Yeah. When, like... Some, no, they can't just be, like, computer error, sorry. That's like, not going to fly. Know, some... Some missile shoots and... Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the company that owned that missile and or the AI was, system yeah. is going to be responsible. There's no, They can't say, computer error, sorry. That, I mean, that's we not going to fly. I mean, we see people... I mean, like, not to bring up... There was a glitch mo- in the system. No, 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 not to bring up, like, modern events, but, like... So, for a few years ago, Russia killed someone in the UK, right? Sure. They poisoned this guy with some... I don't know. This guy and his daughter. Sounds like something they do. Yeah. And the guy died. The daughter lived. Russia never apologized. The UK didn't go and invade Russia. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Now, so, so Rick, tell us about injustices and how we can fix that. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, like, you know, there were no repercussions for anyone. Like, they just got away with that. What does this have to do with AI? What I'm saying is, is just, like... You know, like, oh, this game is buggy because it was made by AI, you know, sorry. Yeah, okay, that, I mean, well, okay. So it that, that becomes the audience's responsibility to be like, no F you. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I don't, I guess, yeah, there has to be a lot of develop, you still need the developers, or at least the programmers, right. to... Uh, okay, the shepherd is going to do whatever the sheep allow him to do. Yeah. And sheep just allow shepherds to do whatever... So a lot of times. people need to not be sheep. Yeah. So yeah, I do wonder if there will be, if the public will embrace these projects, mm-hmm. or when they're done with passion, I think they will. And when they're not done with passion, I think they will get rejected. I think they'll become AI trash, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. As, you know, as a concept, because we, you know, with like the App Store, that was a big revolutionary thing, and then we started seeing a lot of trash. Right. You know, and people knew. Right. You know? So you think people will tell, be able to often tell the difference? Yeah. I think that we will see, like, this is some cheap AI trash. All right. Now, like, let's say Square Enix spits out a cheap AI trash Final Fantasy. Like, what? I don't As a fan, see, how does... See, I know. Like, I but, can't see them doing that. Okay, but let's just say it happens. Sure. But at the time, how, how does it look at the time? Because we can look back at Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII and say, that looks like crap. But at the time, that was that was solid gold. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, I don't, I would never say it looks like trash. No, I don't think so yeah. either. I love the way it looks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to play games that look like that. Yeah, I want, I, I want new games that look like that. Yeah, um, I've been seeing a lot of like PS One esque survival horror games. Yeah. Like that's like becoming a huge genre. Graphically right now. or just mechanically? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Like, they got the look. Yeah. And they got the, you know, the clunky controls yeah. that those kinds of games were known for. Um, Anyways, I think we've... Uh, so, w- did we talk about this last one here? I yeah, guess it was this one was talking about the generative stuff, specifically. Yeah. So, I, I, th- I mean, that just makes infinite possibility. That just means infinite... To me, to me, as a programmer, as a technical artist, as a fine artist... That just makes... that Generative AI just means infinite possibility. 
Like you can you can have every single spawn be brand new, unique, one of a kind, never to be done again. That's a crazy concept. That's crazy. All right, I have one more question for you. Um, so imagine a real quick. Okay, go for it. Imagine for a it. random battle system like Final Fantasy. Okay, we're talking about Square Enix. Like every party is like randomly generated like every enemy party you encounter is randomly generated and color is different you know look is different clothes are different like it ran like <laughs> games will not be limited to like a pool of like npcs anymore it's literally and every npc can be <laughs> eyes hair nose face eyebrows everything done unique from the ground up that's crazy. Yeah, it's... I mean, see, these kinds of things feel like they would be really useful in, like, open-world kind of games, especially. RPGs. Uh, why do you limit it to that? Like, you're putting it in a box. Well, I mean... This is a huge formula. Like, a huge thing. I guess... It can be applied to everything. I mean, I just think about the RPGs that I like, which are, like, lovingly handcrafted, you know? And it's like, I just... The thought of a computer just, you know, making all those characters, right? And so, all uh, those, what you're all the dialogue, yeah. So you, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I look. Uh, you can appreciate a, a floor that was cleaned by a toothbrush, okay? But why do that when we have mobs? Sure. You know, or buffers or big machines. And then it's floor. almost like why create then? What do you mean? What do you mean? This is huge. This is like, we just got so, handed a machine gun. So, okay, if there wasn't a, if there was an AI thing that would make new Final Fantasy 7s and 8s all the time, just like new games like that. Yeah. You would, that would thrill you to mm-hmm. no end? You think that they're just going to be pumping out a new game every day? No, but I just mean like, hey, you know, like, we know people want to play games that are like this. So while we're, we have the humans making Final Fantasy Twenty, here's like a classic style Final, Final Fantasy game made by AI. Mm-hmm. But there was a human there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a human involvement for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Imagine how big that could be. Like, scope-wise. Yeah. It could be never-ending. That'd be crazy. You mean the game itself? Yeah, the game itself. Like the game is still making itself while you're playing it? Yeah. Or just going on, like... um, They could just be, like... They're no longer limited by... Like, we're no longer limited. Come on, see the pause. Like, I want you to see it. I mean, I... Yeah, I do... I can see there being really cool applications. Like, like things that haven't been done before. Final Fantasy VII is only as big as it is because humans had to make all that stuff. Right. Now humans don't. Now humans can design the stuff and model the stuff and then AI can take that and be like, okay, I see what you're doing with this. Boom, 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 boom. Here's 10,000 more. Here's a new scenario. Yeah. Well, okay, writing. So... Writing comes down to tropes, and then tropes become formulaic, and then that's how AI works with writing mm-hmm. stories and stuff like that. Um, and that is going to be harder to replace humans with okay. than, a, than 
like visual art, I think. Um, that's a topic for another time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Then I'm a little, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can, I see, especially with art, how AI can be of assistance, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to like writing and design, yeah, like, I don't know, like imagine Tifa, like instead of Tifa, you have something designed by AI. Like, I don't know. I mean... Like, that's the part where it's just, like, these memorable characters. Like, I guess they could still be memorable if they were made by AI. I think you're just... This is stigma. This is stigma on your part. I think I'm old man yelling at Cloud right now. Yeah. I th- no, I think you're old man yelling at, like, electric toothbrush because you like the old school way of doing it. I have an electric toothbrush. I'm being metaphoric. <laughs> I know. Um, but, yeah, that's... I see it. I see how this can be a positive thing for mankind and huge, hugely positive. It can also be used by people with the most power to take advantage of others. Um, but that's every tool, you know, yeah. humans. Have I mean, made. I feel like that's guaranteed. To yeah. Happen. Oh yeah. That's going to happen no matter what. End transmission.